Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and sisters of the leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place. It's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys congregate to discuss the new Bob Odenkirk action film, Nobody. There's a movie description I never thought I'd say. And they'll also be reviewing the Oat 10 Cigar from Illusioni, paired with a real dog's breakfast of alcoholic beverages. That's right, folks. The guys were given the green light to pick any kind of booze whatsoever tonight, and what they came up with just might surprise you. Or maybe not. Is anything these drunken numbnuts do surprising to us anymore? Seriously. Now if they did an entire show where they chugged non-alcoholic drinks and did not end up acting like a bunch of assholes, that would be truly surprising. I won't be holding my breath for that episode, and you shouldn't either. Anywho, sit back everybody, light them up, and enjoy the show. Uh, you'll have to excuse me, boys, if I squirm a little bit in my chair tonight. Yesterday I was uh, swimming with my kiddos, and my youngest daughter kicked me dead center in my no-no square. Ooh. I haven't taken a swish shot to the balls like that in, well, maybe forever. Uh, no-no square? You never heard that expression yet? I uh, can't say as I have. Uh, it's what the youngins are being taught, I guess, these days. That's my no-no square. No-no, you can't touch me there. I think that's... It's catchy. Yeah. It's I was equally unaware of the existence of the term no-no square. I'd say once a week I hear a story after school from the kickball game that day where some poor bastard got, kicked, got the ball kicked right in his no-no square. Uh, he's like, my no-no square, you can't kick the ball there. Like, even then he rhymes. Uh, I, I in, in, in that moment in time at the pool yesterday, though, I forgot about the no-no square. I just gave a epic, oh, my balls! <laughs> um, yeah, you guys learned something tonight. No-no, no-no the square. no-no square. Can't touch me there. You cannot touch me there. 
Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 141. 141, all right. Uh, tonight, we've got all four sets of balls present to entertain you for the next couple of hours. And I promise not to touch any of you guys in your no-no squares. Can't touch anymore. There. Anymore, anyways. You keep your mouth shut, doctor. Uh, that was three years ago. I've apologized. I thought we'd move past it. It was all a big misunderstanding. I'm still grappling with the fact that there's an actual term called the no-no square and whether or not I really wanted to be privy to that knowledge. But it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that big a misunderstanding. What's in this glass will help. <laughs> all right. No more dick jokes tonight. Uh, I know I've said that before, but I mean it this time. Uh, is this, is a, this a hard rule or a soft rule? Uh, somewhere in between. Okay. Well, let's call it a soft, a soft rule. Uh, I used to have this boss who hated it when I shortened his name to Dick. Probably because his name was Gary. <laughs> I would say so. Now there's no more dick jokes. Hard rule. Super, <sighs> super stiff penalties if any of you guys drop a dick joke. Okay, all right. We're going to have loads of fun tonight, boys and girls. Oh, God. Did it again. Um... Now, we are going to have loads of fun tonight in, in a very wholesome, honest uh, meaning of the word. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're going to do what we do every two weeks on the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. We're going to take a premium cigar that's hopefully delicious. We're going to pair it with a major motion picture. Tut, you'll be happy. This one's fresh out of the chamber. 2021. You, you, like, the new, you like the new stuff? Getting, getting new. And after last uh, week's last episode's clown episode, uh, I thought I, I thought I owed you one. So uh, here we are, 2021 action flick. Uh, Nobody is the Nobody. name of the film. Uh, I'm going to introduce the cigar in just a minute, and then we're going to do a little something different uh, with the. We always pair it with a premium craft beer, uh, or a craft beer. I don't think premium craft beer is a, a thing. Um, but we pair the cigar and the movie with a craft beer. We've been doing that for six years. Occasionally, we bring in a, a bottle of something, or we do a rum episode, or a Zima episode, or whatever. But tonight, it was fair game. Um, I am doing something I haven't done in since I was, I don't know, 15. I'm trying to go a whole month without drinking beer. What? Yeah. My neighbor's probably just like, oh, man, are they doing the podcast again? They heard your they heard your what two blocks away? <laughs> what? Birds flying away. Um yeah, no, I I, I thought I'd uh, give it a shot for it, I'm okay. It's not a health thing. Obviously, I'm drinking other shit. Uh I just want to do a little experiment. Uh so I basically opened the floodgates to you boys. I'm like, hey man, July, you can pair whatever you want, booze wise, for the, the next couple shows. So it should be interesting to see. And it should be interesting to also get some perspective on different uh, libations and how they pair with cigars other than, man, this Imperial IPA with the 100,000 IBUs is, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what I've been saying for five years now, every, every episode, because that's one of the only kind of beers I like, but we're all going to do something different these days. So that'll be fun. Uh, maybe there'll be some beers. I don't know. It's just, it's going to be a real surprise for me as well as you at home. Uh, so that should be fun. But before our resident uh, drinking expert, Yak Boy, that's because he owns a pub, not because he drinks more than any of us. 
that's obviously the doctor. Um, before we get to that, <laughs> hey, that, that obviously is not that obvious. I think, I think we're all, I, I think we're all hiding the, our actual numbers from each other. Uh, that's what friendship's all about. Deception. Not no, it's not. not. Oh. No, friendship is not about deception. And I never I denied thought, the accusation. I, just, I thought that's what I thought that's what tonight's movie taught us. Just pretend like you're somebody you're not, and everything will be okay. I don't think that's what the movie was teaching us. So I'm, gonna talk, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to tell you guys, like I tell my doctor. I don't know. Two to three drinks a week socially. So you've been seeing a Mr. Tuttle. Uh, oh shit! Liver, uh, your, your liver is actually typing out SOS as we speak. Well, I guess you can't very well come to me and tell me you only have two to three drinks a week. I, I actually, <laughs> exactly. you need to go see somebody else. I'm I'm really no longer mad. Well, doctor, you're three hours away, and and I I can't drive that far. I'm drunk all the time. Uh, it's actually now so me. I do see a local guy here occasionally. Uh, I understand, but uh, you know, honestly, you in your no-no square. More often than not, it involves something that happened to my no-no square. <laughs> um, no, Yax, he does not touch me in my no-no square. He can't touch him there. He totally does touch him there. I'm going to introduce the scar right now because I really want to light it up and smoke. It's a beautiful scar. This is, boys, the Hout, H-A-U-T, the Hout 10 by Illusione Cigars. It is actually our first uh, Illusione cigar we featured on the show. Uh, it is a 5.5 by 52. It's called the Robusto Extra. It is a Nicaraguan Corojo wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and fillers. I'll say price point to last, as always. Blended in 2016 to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Illusione. Uh, Dion Giolito created the Help 10 utilizing a Nicara Nicaraguan Cafe Claro triple A grade wrapper. No wonder I thought it was so pretty. Containing a blend of Nicaraguan Criollo 98 and Corojo 99 tobaccos within it. Our main character, as I said in tonight's film, is living in illusion. His whole life is an illusion to those around him. So I thought it only fitting to use this opportunity to finally dip our toes into the world of Illusione cigars. Eh? See the tie in there? No. Uh, I actually did. We haven't done an illusion, Illusione on the show, but I actually did do a written review of a really good cigar, the Illusione one-off cigar. It's the one with the P symbol on it. Um, I, I did I that remember, a long... I thought I remember you doing an illusion. Yeah, I did that a long time ago, so you can check out uh, TuesdayNightCigarClub.com to read that if your heart desires. And I'm also a big fan of, they have these little Rothschilds, uh, like a 3 $4 Rothschild, but almost every good humidor has them. And if I'm looking for a great short smoke, I'll grab a handful of those. I'm a big fan of those. And then um, they're Epernay, which is a, a, a much more highbrow oh, experience. Yeah. The Epernay is a very good, named after, I believe, a, a, some do a champagne in France. Uh, it's a very uh, delicate, floral, nice, nice cigar. Uh, maybe we'll do a champagne episode and get that on cigar. Almost went with champagne this evening. I hate champagne. What, Dr. Oh, you're God. Oh, 
I thought Doctor had champagne tonight. I'm like, look at this guy. No, I almost went with champagne tonight. I don't know how anyone could hate it. I mean, unless you pop it, Chris. Uh, uh, Chris. I I'm not a I am not a champagne fan. Uh, have you um, ever had good champagne? I have. I have. Um, when we do, when we do uh, mimosas, we'll do them with what's that white wine yaks, the perka something. Prosecco. Uh, Prosecco. We'll do mimosas. Prosecco. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do uh, mimosas with orange juice and prosecco. It's kind of like a sparkling white wine, but. It, it agrees with me a little more than champagne. But, Doctor, I know you've always been a, a, a fan of champagne. That's one where uh, you get what you pay for with champagne. Uh, so the, the market can run pretty ridiculous. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting on the cold draw, guys, a little bit of light, very light chocolate. Was that what that was? Little, I thought I was getting the sweetness. Yeah, it's kind of a very light sweetness, dark chocolate, and a little bit a little bit of earth, which makes sense. It's packed with Nicaraguan delicious tobaccos very firmly packed beautiful wrapper very feel that between your fingers guys that's like just uh slides right through your fingers very silky wrapper don't look at me like that tut i was looking at the scar like that and if and if you're watching us on youtube i'm gonna have him i'm gonna have tut go back and blur out my hand see it's broken this thing uh this is my cigar square you can't film me there um, all right, well, I'm curious. Oh, smell the smell the foot of them. It's got a little floral something going on. Okay, well, uh, as we light up this cigar, which I want to get to for quite a while, let's introduce the booze. Our random selected booze for the night. Mm-hmm. Yak boy, who you want to start with? Dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. Let's go with let's go with the doctor. What the hell's he drinking? The good doctor has just gone ahead and just jumped right over everybody straight to gin and tonic. Nice. Classic. Not only is he inoculated against COVID, but now because it's summertime and those pesky mosquitoes are out. He is now full of quinine. No malaria for the good doctor. Always thinking ahead. One of those sons of bitches bites me, and they're going to die. And no what, scurvy either. What kind of gin are you drinking, Doc? This would be the old Bombay Sapphire Dry London Gin that comes in the nice blue-tinted bottle. Nice, clear little bottle there, man. looks pretty on the shelf. Especially Much when like, they give the little net that you hold on to. I like that little net. The axe pointed out it's a good summertime libation, and... Uh, I actually thought of, of getting like a magnum of champagne, but after the kind of hectic pace of this day, I thought I could use a good cocktail. And uh, in the summer months, I am a fan of the, the Bombay gin. I agree. When it gets like super toasty and super hot, Bombay gin with a gin and tonic is not a bad idea, especially with Man, toss them Doc, I'm going to have to tell you, much like the, the champagne, I I cannot, I'm not a gin drinker either. The only time I, I did drink it uh, after my grandfather passed. Uh, the good Dr. Hal, I, I went to, uh, help my grandma clean out his, some of their stuff. She was moving in somewhere else and I got snowed into their place by myself in Tennessee mm-hmm. and it was just me and grandpa's liquor cabinet. And that guy was a huge beef eater gin thing. 
not not a, I say huge like he's an alcoholic. He's a very respected yeah. doctor. Like like he would have like a glass after dinner, like some guys do, I guess. Um, <laughs> they, and apparently they stop uh, after the glass. Uh, Beef eater is also a, a quality gin. Um, I think that I was not really a fan of, even though this was something that that we did as youngsters. I was not really a fan of gin and juice or or a screwdriver like vodka and orange juice. I was always a fan of the clear liquors of like a vodka and some kind of club soda or tonic. And with gin, way more than yeah, gin needs to be mixed with with the sparkling water, uh, a tonic water. Uh, you can go you can go with a sprite, I guess. Uh, that, that'll work. Uh, but it, it's got to be it's got to have that kind of carbonation and sort of. Uh, not really taking anything away from it, but uh, that, that to me is the way to drink gin. Um, so, you, so you're saying Snoop Dogg's full of shit. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. I did not say that. I just said that it was not my preference to drink gin and juice. My preference is to have gin in a glass with ice and a tonic water or, or sparkling water. Well, it certainly looks refreshing. Uh, I wish, Doctor, hopefully soon you'll be smoking a cigar with us. You'll be stuck there in your office after hours, and that, I'd be curious to see how tonight's cigar paired with uh, with your gin. Um, Yaks, it, do you know anything about the history of Bombay gin or the gin and tonic? Or well, particularly if he's talking about the sapphire, sapphire is actually a newer creation. Uh, came out in the eighties, around right around eighty five, eighty six. Uh, in regards, as you, men- you mentioned, Beef Eater, uh, Bombay also had their uh, London Dry Gin. Uh, gin itself is is a uh, known well for for being uh, uh, being British, uh, and it's almost usually those gins are considered dry, harsh. Some even use the term brutal. But uh, Bombay uh, goes back. The original was uh, purchased. Uh, uh, by a Warrington and uh, gin was a, was originally called and then renamed Bombay to, to sort of give you that Bombay India to give it that historical tie-in to when the British uh, really started drinking gin and, and tonic because they uh, uh, mosquitoes and malaria was very prevalent there. So they started mixing uh, quinine into the tonic and it became not just a way a way to take away the the day problems month. on a day, but it was also your medicine. Not neatly wrapped up. Doctor's I telling, orders. I was telling the boys about this huge mosquito problem I've had at the house. Maybe I should be giving this another shot. It does help. Gin and tonic okay. is about the only way I can take gin. Gin gin can be brutal. Okay, well. That, those six bottles of beef eater I drank sure were. I was trying to snow in for worn off by now. I was, had to mix them with the tonic. It's not the it's not the gin. He didn't have any tonic. tonic. He, was a, he was a ballsy guy. He just drank it drank it on ice. And between the beef eater gin and my grandma's, uh, I don't know, ten to twelve boxes of Chardonnay in the fridge, I'm lucky. I and, and all they had to eat was just dry granola cereal in their cabinets. So that was the. That four days was my own Vietnam. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I got out of there in one piece. Uh, okay. Well, uh, let's see. Dealer's choice, huh? 
Yak Boy. Always save you for last. Why don't you tell us what you're drinking? You had the whole wide world of booze opened to you. You could pick anything in the world. What'd you go with? I was lazy. I can respect that. <laughs> oh, for once you're like, just do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. I, I, I still was hoping that there would be some pairing, uh, either with the cigar or the movie involved. It, it, if you guys are just going to throw all everything, all the bath water out with the baby, then we'll, we'll go. I'll, I'll go back to beers for God's sake. Well, I actually, you know, because because of all this, I mean, we end up with I end up anyways with you know one or two cans left over. Depend, depending, and so I was like, I just grabbed like a whole host of beers that I had done previously, where I just had some left over. I was like, you know what? Because I, 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 I looked, tried to look up the cigar. I was like, I don't know exactly what, you know, really was going to be what we were going to get with it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with a little bit of everything that I had done prior. So starting off with a little 784 from Barrow, which our friends of Barrow, Barrow. Okay. Big bubbly here on 138. I got here from. Driving that haze, because there is some driving that. in the movie. That, that That's at least some tie-in. There's a, there's a big driving scene. Then I also have uh, the Lagunitas, the hazy memory. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in this movie also can't seem to remember things well that happened just prior as he killed most yes. everybody that knew him. Okay, a little trip down recent memory lane here on the show. Memory lane. So, what are you going to start with, the uh, Barrow? Yes. Oh, excuse me. No, I, I, I'm sorry. That's my second. I started with the driving. Started okay. with the driving that day, so Please. I was oh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot with that. I miss my IPAs. Tell me about every sip. Describe Cody's the taste. Cleaning out the fridge. Mm. Just as this, our our hero tonight, clean house. I'm cleaning out the fridge. There you go. Uh, speaking of the cigar, real quick, Ted uh, and I lit up, and I don't want to let before all these things I'm experiencing escape me. Uh, boy, right on the light, there was a really sharp spice. Like my eyes popped open. It was a super sharp spice upon ignition that quickly died down. Um, within, I'd say the third or fourth puff, that was not that that much of a high octane. Uh, it was a very veg for me, anyways. It was a very crisp, like jalapeno spice immediately. Um, well, first of all, the construction on this thing, gorgeous. I'm trying to puff slower because it tastes so good. I'm going a little fast. On the draw, I'm getting some cream. I'm getting some mineral. And I'm getting a very faint kind of floral and some earthiness. Um, but it's got some creaminess there. Um, it's a very smooth smoking cigar. And that pepper has died down to just balance it out really nice on the on the retro, Tud, is that jiving at all with what you're getting? Uh, I got that pet. I got that pepper blast off big time, uh, and I'm still pretty pretty new into the cigar. In fact, it was so heavy that I actually thought uh, it was cedar. I mean, it really gave a <laughs> it hit that retro so it's so hard it made me taste cedar in the palate. Uh, so yeah, yeah I'm still kind of going on going into it. All right, we'll keep track of what you're getting. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and since we're talking to Tut, what's what what's that guy drinking? Tut is having from the Spencer Trappist Brewery. Wonderful 
Massachusetts, uh, which, of course, we have done. He is doing their Imperial Scouts. 8.3%. Nice. A little bit of a powerhouse, but they everything they do is a little bit of a powerhouse. Uh, of course, Spencer is the oldest and only Trappist brewery run by Trappist monks in the U.S., like I said, Massachusetts, just kind of right out, uh, right outside Boston. Uh, this isn't the one have, where they, this isn't the one where they bought out the monks. Yeah, and I, just, think, I think it is the one they bought out the monks. To where they they just wanted to use the name and they just paid the monks some money. Yeah, it's the it? monks recipe, but I'm not. Is it the are the monks involved with Spencer Brewery? There was one we did yeah, with them. Oh, okay. These are actual monks making this shit. Yeah. Okay. So now, and we have yeah, actually done, uh, Spencer, uh, Tut has done it uh, way back, I believe, uh, one, uh, episode 126. He did their uh, uh, monks. Reserve. Reserve. Okay. And I did the just Trappist Ale back on uh, 134. Oh, okay. Okay. So. And uh, just to just to get the movie tie-in, it's based off of a Russian imperial stout. Uh, of course, you go. got a lot a lot of Russians in tonight's movie. Okay, I was thinking maybe one of you guys would make white Russians. Seem like an awful lot. Of Why not a black Russian? Uh, we get one of the bad black Russian joke in tonight's so. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, is it good, Ted? Oddly, we don't get that a lot. Uh, yeah, it is. It's almost like drinking a drinking a full full course meal. It's thick. It's thick. It sits heavy. It's a good good stout. Um, not overly uh, chocolatey or coffee. I mean, it's it's just a nice good heavy resonant stout. Uh, there's an interesting little. Um, it's almost a spice, kind of like the. I guess it's the the Trappist influence uh, that you're getting in off of it, which it's a, a I don't really pick up in a lot of stouts, so I think that's a neat little play on it. But yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's a worthy stout to try. Okay, how's it going with the cigar? Um, I think they're trying to vie for dominance because it's like I, 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 I smoke I, the cigar and the cigar's like, look at all the flavors that I'm giving you, and then I go over to the beer and the beer's like. My flavors are very good, and they just play them back and forth. It's it's an interesting beer. It's not complimenting, but it's not contrasting either. They're literally going back and forth. I was wondering what you were drinking because when I was describing that, you know, there's on the retro. Once that spice died down, I started to get kind of a, a tea and the floral, and then there's that that creaminess thing. And you were kind of looking at me. I was like, I wonder if he's drinking something super powerhouse that's maybe not. Kind of washing over his palate a little bit and blocking yeah. some blocking some of this. I stuff, think so. that's a I think that's probably a fair assessment. Maybe give him a little space and see what happens. Um, okay. Well, that leaves me. Uh, I decided to class things up a little bit tonight, boys. It's my new thing. So I'm drinking wine this evening. Uh, I selected two bottles from my wine cellar. Went down there and uh, blew the dust off and. Uh, Picked two fine vintages that I thought might pair well with tonight's cigar. With all the thousands of bottles down there, it's kind of a crapshoot on what I'm going to come upstairs with. But, uh, yeah, I'm starting tonight with the simple life. Little husband and wife there just trying to live a simple life like our main characters in tonight's film. Yes, yes, the simple life. Yeah. 
California, 2018 vintage. Oh, that was a good year. I, I don't know shit about wine. I'm just going <laughs> to right now. I drink a shit. I shouldn't know more about it as much as I drink. I wish but, I could uh, say more I, about it. Uh, Simple Life and your other one are both wineries. They're not, you know, they don't actually have their own vineyards. Um, they are both uh, Cabernet. Of course, Cabernet is the most widely grown variety of red grape. I mean, literally all across the globe. I mean, sure. Obviously, like you said, California, countries, Europe, Africa, South America, everywhere, Australia. So uh, I tried looking up anything. The only thing I could find basically on those is, I mean, Simple Life has basically a very generic website telling you about how awesome it is. And <laughs> what a simple life to lead just drinking their wines. You know, it's about fourteen percent. That's about it. I would expect more. The uh, the the clerk at the CVS drugstore I went to and got this wine. I I asked him about the varietals of grapes used. He couldn't really give me much. In, he couldn't really give me much information either. Yet, so. Otherwise known as Dave CVS. Smallier was no help. I don't know where they're training these guys. Um, well, I I do enjoy a, a Cabernet. I I. I traditionally, uh, when I drink wine with with uh, dinner after dinner, I, I gravitate more towards a Pinot Noir. Uh, that's more in my, my wheelhouse. But I have found over the years, my vast years of smoking cigars with booze, that when I do drink wine with a cigar, Cabernets seem to pair better than Pinot Noirs. And uh, the richness of the, of the Cabernet seem to really complement uh, you know, light Connecticut cigars, they bring something out of it. Uh, they really add to the sweetness of some broadleaf, the darker cigars. I, I just find the Cabernets really um, are, are excellent pairing uh, wines for stogies. So I, I did select two Cabernets tonight. We'll battle them against each other and see which one. And boy, the first, when I, the aroma of it, after I swirled it in my Salado Glassworks custom-made glass. Give a shout-out to the my neighbors down the street. They do awesome work. You can't really see it on YouTube, but it's a beautiful yeah, it looks, glass. Yeah, it looks really neat. I like that little inlay design uh, it's got there. Yeah, they do They do all uh, hand-blown glass there. If you're ever in the Salado, Texas area, come. They do a thing where you can, uh, I don't know if they still call it this, but it's like blow your own or blow, <laughs> it's like blow yourself. Yes, uh, weekend where you can... Make your own beer mugs, uh, beer mugs, and 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 drink vessels. And I think I might have voiced my opinion. I think you might want to do the blow yourself weekend. But anyway, needless to say, I signed up immediately. And, uh, but no, they're awesome. Uh, they they make a lot of really cool stuff. We got a lot of their stuff here at the house. But as I swirled my glass upon uh, letting it, I let it breathe uh, for about ten seconds, um. It has settled down a tremendous amount. It was so sweet and pungent on the pour. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be way too sweet." But uh, it is settled down. It's a, it's a pretty middle of the road cabernet. It's going very well with the cigar. It's, it's. Uh, I'm not versed in describing wines, so uh, it tastes like old grapes, and it tastes pretty good. How's that? Right, cabernet can be an excellent wine to have with a steak. I love dry wines. This is I, I prefer a much drier. That's why I, one of the reasons I, I go the Pinot Noir route. They tend to get a lot more drier 
uh, things that I like. But uh, th- this is middle of the road. I, I, it's a it's a tad sweet, but I'm certainly not getting any sweetness in the cigar. The chocolate I picked up on the cold draw hasn't presented itself uh, once I lit up. So uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I'll, uh, I'll let you guys know when I switch over to the the other wine and we'll see how that goes. All right, gin, gin and tonic, a dog's breakfast of craft beers with Yak Boy, Tut doing a Russian, Russian inspired imperial stout, and uh, your host, Dong Slaper, uh, sampling some of the finest wines that nobody can find out any information about. Sounds like a recipe for success, boys. You excited? Yes. Doctor should have said no. Yak boy is. Yes. I'm excited. Go. Excited. You said yes. I am excited for this movie. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, spoiler alert. Yak boy enjoyed tonight's movie. All right. Podcast over. See you later. All right. Later. Thanks for ruining it for us. Um, Let me take one more thing on my cigar. Ted, are you not getting any of that creaminess on the draw mixed with the the earth? Are you not getting any of the floral tea with the spice on the nose? No. no. Six years, you know, I'm not. I haven't. I haven't tasted a touch of cream in six years. That's that's true. Uh, we'll see. Or we'll perhaps see it here. could just be the eight percent Russian Imperial Stout that is coated his mouth like motor oil. Goose stepping oh. all over my palate. The Soviet national anthem is just. just Blaring in my head. I will agree with you on that cream, though. I, that is very prevalent for me right now. That spice blast in the beginning, not so much. I mean, I did pick something up, but it wasn't just didn't kick me in the teeth. Uh, boy, it did just for a second. It was gone. Uh, okay. Well, speaking of cigars, y'all know who makes some really flavorful ones, don't you? Yes. Who's that? That's right. You know who I'm talking about. Our good friends over at Drew State. And one of the most flavorful offerings in their vast portfolio is the Herrera Steli Miami, crafted by level nine Cuban rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Cali Ocho. The Herrera Steli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish. Good. Two episodes in a row, I said. Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Steli Miami features rich black and gold packaging and is available in five sizes. This tasty cigar is now available at Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. So go get you some. We recently smoked it. I think we rated it at 91. Yes, very, very pretty, nice. Pretty, pretty good from us this year. We've been a little a little more hardcore on our ratings, for, not on purpose, but uh, it seems like we've, we've been a little harder to impress this year for some reason. And uh, we gave that one 91, so go seek that one out. I'd also like to take a moment to talk about something very cool. Cigar World. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing cigars yourself. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. You might even run into the doctor in his white lab coat and his Bunsen burners doing some Test himself. Am I right, Doc? Never can tell. A couple of gin and tonics. You might be on cigarworld.com forward, forward slash testing lab. All kind of testing going on there. Yeah, and that cigar is 
smooth. Okay. Well, without further ado, hey, wait, uh, before, we're gonna... before we get into it, uh, yeah. I just wanted to report. I watched the uh, the new Chris Pratt movie, uh, Tomorrow War. And I was terribly disappointed because I didn't oh. see Big Willie Herrera anywhere. And I was looking at it, it says it takes place in Miami, so I was like, maybe you can oh. see Big Willie down there. Yeah, no. No, he wasn't in the movie. Other than the absence of Big Willie, was it still terrible? Uh, it was fun. I mean, it's a fun sci-fi fight. There was nothing uh, nothing out of the ordinary with it. It's a good popcorn movie. Uh don't take any expectations into it, and you won't be disappointed. Okay. Well, I always encourage you, boys, if you see anything since our last episode that stuck out to you, a movie or a TV show, to pop up and let us know. And, um, anything else, boys? You guys see anything good? Uh, yeah. I know. I, was re- I, revis- I mean, I revisited some classic stuff here. Wait, I did see something good, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, doc, doctor was in the middle of a, a thing. Sorry. No, that was, that was really, really, I just wait, I, wait your turn, Todd. Wait your turn. I'm sorry, he that, froze up on my end. He froze was, up I, on my end. I revisited some some uh, some older stuff, so probably not worth talking about. Did you revisit? Was it good? Uh, yeah, I watched a uh, well, classic horror movie, uh, Motel Hell. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, hadn't seen that in forever. Uh, it takes all types of critters to make Farmer Vincent's fritters. Uh, dude, that it does. Uh, the great, the great Rory Calhoun, and uh, Miss Ballbreaker as uh, his uh, Nancy Parsons. Uh, and the guy who was on Chips, not Eric Estrada or Larry Wilcox, but the other, the other guy, Paul. Uh, the, the, the chunky deputy. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were all great in it. Uh, very, very weird movie, obviously. Uh, but I think that the last 15 to 20 minutes of it are as great as anything ever. It really uh, is, especially at the very end when Farmer Vincent, Rory Calhoun, gets gets killed and he's dying. And it, his whole thing was that he makes these all-natural beef jerkies and, and sausages and stuff. Of course, he's making them out of human beings. But, it, but as he's dying, he has his confession, his last dying breath. I have to get something on my chest. I used artificial preservatives. Preservatives. <laughs> uh, great movie. That the, the last 15, 20 minutes are great. It can be a weird kind of slow burn up until then, but uh, also starring Cliff from Cheers as one of the bikers. Very yeah. briefly, yes, John Ratzenberger and, and Wolfman Jack. Um, yeah, I can see it not being for all tastes, though. It, it, it's a, it's a. Yeah. Anybody who doesn't get a kick out of Motel Hell, I've got no business with. Uh, and I, I read some stuff about it too. I mean, what, what's kind of a if we do a show on it someday, we'll get into that. But then I watched a. Uh, should do I a watch? show on it. I watched uh, the Burbs, of course, classic. Uh, and then uh, trying to think, I feel like there was something else in between those two, but I, I also drink a lot, so it's possible that I'm forgetting what it was. Well, I believe you did revisit something because I had asked you to. Uh, it was available on, finally, it is, I promised you guys at the end of our last episode, I'm going to give you something really fun this next show. It's summertime. We just did that clown horror movie. I'm like, we're going to the beach. We're going to have some fun. Meatballs 4 has been unavailable for streaming for years. Is that it, Doctor? Yeah. Is that what, that's what you're thinking of? Yeah. Well, the, and, since the clown show, yeah. 
And uh, finally, Tubi, which is a great streaming service. You got to watch a few commercials, but they have so much content. They have so much content that no one else has, especially genre flicks, seventies, okay. eighties, nineties, uh, horror action. They got just a motherload of stuff that you can't find on Amazon, and you know, God knows you're not gonna find Netflix. They don't do any of that kind of stuff anymore. But uh, they got Meatballs War, and I watched it. It's starring, of course, Corey Haim, Feldman, and, uh, the head, or Corey Feldman, sorry, and the the head camp counselor is the guy from Eraserhead, uh, Jack Ants. Is that right? Yeah, Jack Nance. Yeah, it was so good, and I was like, "This, we're gonna party our asses off." We got a new Corey movie, and then Saturday they pulled it. It was expired from oh, Tubi, no. and it's gone. it's gone again. <laughs> so uh, I'll keep my feelers out. We'll get to it one of these days. But Doc actually had it on DVD. I'd mentioned him. He went and dug that out and watched it. Uh, it's fun, Doc. It's a fun flick. Fun movie. He also got uh, Sarah Douglas of the Superman movies. Uh, yes, she's the she's the villain villainous uh, person that owns the rich camp on the other side of the lake. Uh, yeah, it, it is a fun. It's a Feldman movie. He's having fun. It's a it's a uh, which ironically enough, I believe it was the first movie he made after finishing rehab. But uh, he's having fun, and there's uh, beers are being drank, and there are lascivious, love, voluptuous women around. There's a lot of audacious tatas. Uh, we'll get to it, boys, I promise. I shouldn't have even mentioned it. I can see the disappointment on your face. <laughs> uh, now, Tut, what is the other thing you saw that you're dying to tell us about? Oh, you're about to tell us about it. Huh? I saw this movie. That's what you were excited about to yeah. tell us? The movie I'm excited. Movie about... oh, okay, see, I, I'm guessing you liked it, too. It was okay. Well, that's two. I guess we're done now. <laughs> he said it was okay. Oh. I'll see you guys later. Time to go play with my no-no square. We still don't, no doctor. <laughs> no, no. Uh, that's where you come in. Yes, yes. Uh, no, we still don't know how the doctor and I feel about tonight's movie, so it's Anybody's guess at this point. Um, the film tonight that Todd is so excited to talk about, that Yak Boy loves, is called Nobody. 2021's Nobody. The film is written by Derek Kolstad, who wrote all of the John Wick movies. That makes sense. And, <laughs> and it's directed by Moscow-born, I'm going to fuck this name up. Is it L L Y A or I I Y A? Ilya or Aya or Ilya? Ilya. Ilya. Yeah. Ilya. Nyashur? I don't know. I'm. So, I apologize to the director. Uh, whose only previous film that I've heard of is 2015's Hardcore Henry, which was okay. unique in that it was an action film made almost entirely on small GoPro cameras attached to a mask that the main actor wore. So the entire movie, you saw all the crazy action stuff from his point of view. Uh, it looked a little too much like a first-person shooter video game, yeah. even though it was live for my taste, so I never actually watched it. But I can always appreciate when someone tries something different. I wish he would have tried something different tonight's movie. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Did I just give a hint on how I feel about Oh, my goodness. Movie? Is this going to be like an hour of just pooing on this? Absolutely. Ilya is for Ilya 
I should have. I'm sorry, doctor. Ilya Nyshuler or Nyshuler? Nyshuler, okay. Uh, he's Russian, so Nyshuler. Let's go with that. <laughs> Close enough to me. When I'm speaking Russian, I just pronounce everything like they said, cocaineum and red heat. Nyshuler. Cocaineum. Cocaineum. Am I in some kind of trouble here with the Russians? You might be. <laughs> Maybe. I don't need my emails hacked. <laughs> Dude, they're all, we've shut down the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. Three, $3 million for us to release your website. <laughs> okay. Deuces. See you never. Uh, you know how much CBS wine I can buy with three million bucks? Class those motherfuckers. So essentially, the film opens up with a repetitive montage, taking us quickly through each day of the week, Monday through Friday, for three weeks in a row, illustrating just how repetitive and monotonous our main character, Hutch Mansell's life, really is. Every Monday, his wife takes all the coffee in the morning and ends up pouring a little bit back into his travel mug. Every Tuesday, Hutch forgets to take the trash out to the curb on time to get picked up. Every Friday night, his wife Becca goes to sleep with a giant wall of pillows between them in bed so he doesn't get any ideas about getting frisky. It's the same old, same old, day in and day out. And it's all done very, you know, boom, boom, boom. Very yeah, fast really, cuts. really quick cuts, uh, a la really Shaun of the cut. Dead, except, you know, 15 times more. And we basically see three weeks worth of action in a minute. Yeah. I was a fan um, of that. I like the, I like the way it showed the monotony it gets right get, gets right into it it doesn't fuck around boom 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 you know what this guy's monday through friday is like until that is one night a man and a woman break into hutch's house and burglarize it. hutch's son in the mayhem tackles the man to the ground and hutch could easily overpower the woman with his golf club he's holding but he doesn't he freezes and he instructs his teenage boy to let the man go. Dad, you got it. Go. Let him go. So the kid lets the guy go, which results in the dude punching his son Blake right in the face and the criminals getting up and getting away. This is like the first three, four minutes of the movie. They get they get right into things, which I, I do appreciate that always. Uh, I should, throughout the film... Uh, in the aftermath of the robbery, this is the first time we hear it. Throughout the film, we hear Hutch's inner dialogue via voiceover, and it didn't work for me at all. Stuff like this. How could I let this happen to my home, my beautiful family? Come on, man. That's some awful screenwriting stuff right, right there. All right. First of all, you know I'm a fan of the inner monologue all the way back to my Magnum PI days. I love me some good monologue. I agree with you. This wasn't good monologue. It didn't work. It's for terribly. Me. Yeah, it, it didn't work written. for me. I should point out that I've only had my one gin and tonic, although I'm about to make a second, so I don't think that the one gin and tonic can have had this effect. I actually, the voiceover had so little effect on me, I barely remember it happened, and I watched. Well, that's movie. another thing. That's another thing, Doctor. They weren't consistent with it. It only showed up like four or five times in the film. It wasn't a constant thing. 
It wasn't like in the Blade Runner theatrical cut where it right. was that was his voiceover, among many other examples. But it just kind of sporadically popped up, and whenever it did, it was really crappy writing. Um, Perhaps, but it just, didn't, it just didn't bother me in the least bit. I, I just, I'm trying to get to to know this guy and get in the head of our hero, and how could I let this happen to my home, my beautiful fan? I was just like, oh, that's terrible. I should also mention now that Plain Hutch is comedic mastermind Bob Odenkirk, who I grew up being a huge fan of his sketch comedy program, Mr. Show. Mr. Show. Yes. Worshipped Mr. Show, had the VHS tapes, would watch in college Mr. Show over and over and over again. And he also executive produced, he discovered Tenacious D. He went to a, a, a small club with five people. Actually, his partner David Cross saw him and brought him to Bob. They lo- fell in love with Jack Black and Tenacious D. They took Tenacious D to HBO, trying to get them to kind of do a thing on Mr. Show. And they're like, it's not really a good fit. So they actually got HBO to do the short run Tenacious D television show, which is one of the most brilliant things ever. So I grew up with Mr. Show. I'm a huge diehard Tenacious D fan. Um, he also wrote for Saturday Night Live for years, The Simpsons. I mean, this guy has a comedic mind, just crazy. And lately, he's probably best known with a lot of you out there from his role as Saul on the popular series Breaking Bad. And he got his own spinoff, uh, Better Call Saul, yep. which I, I have not... You can start throwing shit at me now. I have not watched an episode of Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, but I hear they're the best TV kinda, show ever. Kind of figured you wouldn't. I'm I'm in there with you. I haven't seen either one. Actually, Doctor, I believe it's The Wire is the best TV show the ever. Wire then is the best TV show. Breaking Bad is then, then, close. Then Breaking Bad. Both shows I, were excellent. I, I'm sure they are. I just I. I I never watched any of them, and I'll stand. I'll stick my boot heels in the ground and say you're you're going to be hard pressed to tell me there's a better TV show of all time than The Sopranos. But whatever. Uh, that's a tough call. That's a very tough call. The Sopranos is damn near. None of you sons of bitches have heard of a little show called Scooby Doo. Filled <laughs> we filled the boot for the creators of Scooby Doo. I love Scoob, the Doc's glass is empty. Zoinks! He's a goner. No, I love I love Odenkirk. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan. I was I was a big fan of Mr. Show. Uh, I was a better fan or a bigger fan of uh, Breaking Bad and Saul. Uh, I just like the guy. I mean, when I listen to him in interviews, it, it just seems like he's got a good head on his shoulder. Doesn't seem too full of himself, but it's just just sharp and i like you you're right in terms of like comedic mastermind when he goes funny he can go funny like in a subtle way that's just really really nice to watch i mean just like body language just the way he holds himself that's why i was a little bit disappointed with the the monologue here because man it just it it wasn't to me it It was something it was something he would do a mr show skit making fun of that's probably accurate yeah is what that opening monologue was. Uh, the great thing about Odenkirk is he he's done some insane stuff on Mr. Show. Um, he also, Doctor, at a comedy festival, met our friend Andy Fisher and his comedy partner, Leon Mandel, and they had done a, sh- a bunch of short sketches on video, and he actually 
took them kind of under his wing and was like, Hey, whenever you, if you come out to Hollywood, uh, here's my number. Like he's apparently just a really generous mentor to young comedian, you know, especially weird comedians that are like tenacious D or my friend Andy that do really weird stuff. He sees something in it and he offers to kind of help him. But the great thing about Bob Odenkirk always to me was he was just a handsome dude. He kind of had this, um, every man, kind of good looking guy who would do some crazy shit. Um, but I, but I think his strongest suit was really his writing. I mean, he just wrote really, he wrote some classic Simpson stuff. He, he was involved in some really good, uh, classic Chris Farley era, uh, SNL sketches. Um, so needless to say, when I saw him involved in this action movie, it brought a, a an expectation with me. Oh shit. I love Bob Odenkirk. This is way out of his wheelhouse. Yeah. This, this, this has the, all the ingredients for, well, part of the ingredients are screenplay and direction and directing actors and they all have to work together, but we'll, we'll get to that. But yes, uh, I think we're all in agreement. We like Bob Very much. Yes. Concur. Concur. Well, Tut. Before we move on in the story, uh, now that the, the big burglary, there are fire point of a plot point has taken place. Anything from the cigar? No, the beer is pretty much beating the ever living bits out of it. Uh, to me, I've got my flavors you gotta, are you, like, you gotta, tr- you gotta trust me, brother. This cigar has some stuff. Your that beer is just. Not doing it any favors. Yeah, I think when it comes to the rating, I might actually bow out on it because I think it's unfair to the cigar. Because uh, it's it's a beautiful cigar. It's a very nice smoking cigar. It's got a wonderful little. Uh, I'm still getting like a hint of cedar and uh, no, the, the almost seed, like the a, cedar actually a, a earth and uh, not not necessarily a toast, but it's more shaded to earth a little bit. But there's a dryness to it that I appreciate. No, there there is a cedar that has joined in with that earth and creaminess on the draw, uh, but the retro hill is so special with that. I, I'm getting that that kind of herbal tea and floral and mixed in with the medium spice at this point. I mean, it's a, it's a really cool smoking cigar. I, I'm I'm sorry you're not you're not getting it. Are you getting any of this, Yak? Maybe Russia, I'm just talking. I, smokes you. I, I gotta I gotta agree with Dong Slapper over here. He's right on the money. You're getting that incredibly complex retro with the tea and the the floral and the spice. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like in the in little, that little little bit of cream is hung on into the middle, and I'm liking that. Mm-hmm. Cream, spice, like cedar. I said in the beginning, I didn't get that, and I got a little bit now on the retro hell, but it's very there's not much there for me in terms of that. But the others, you know, like I just I, I figured some of that would take but I'm, I'm liking you know just the it's been the steady light mineral throughout cream and then i forgot the mineral yeah Todd, it's also got mineral in the draw mineral cream cedar earth mineral i can kind of get on the on the draw but it, even that's getting uh that's almost washed out okay all right well uh and i will say it's it, it is pairing well with this uh simple life Cabernet. Uh, Yax, is it playing good with your hazy IPA? It is. I do know this. It's a beautiful smoking cigar. I love the smoke production. I love the smoke it creates when you inhale it. 
I agree. Uh, it's very, very nice. Okay, back to the movie. So now, after the robbery, everybody thinks Hutch is a total pussy. His son, who just treats him like shit. Yeah. The cop, the cops who show up afterwards, man, if that was my family, cops treat him like shit. His dickhead neighbor, man, I wish they would have come to my house. I would have opened up a can of whoop ass on him. He thinks he's a pussy. And especially Hutch's father-in-law and brother-in-law that he works for at a manufacturing plant. But we get the sense that those two are consistently disappointed. In him, all right. Oh, I love the father-in-law. Tut, who plays the father? Michael fucking Ironside. Turbo Kids, nemesis himself, Michael Ironside. Chester. He, he's basically playing Wilford Brimley roles at this point. <laughs> he got his, yeah. That's, well, that's, a role, that's a role that Wilford Brimley would have played at some point. Certainly borrowed his pants. <laughs> well, I mean, Michael Ironside, hey. there's a lot more side to Ironside now. I mean, let's come on. Don't, disres- don't disrespect the Ironside. I was about to say, he, he would be Wilford Brimley if Wilford Brimley was a badass. I love always me some Michael Ironside. And uh, it's love affair started. My love affair started back when he was ham on the TV show V. Oh, uh, yeah, merc- yeah, yeah. The Mercenary. Uh, of course, if you're a horror fan, it goes back to uh, Scanners. Scanners. I'm sorry? Scanners. Yes. yes yeah. Yeah, Scanners, I I there's a little Total Recall mixed in there. Yeah, the hospital. Was it After Hours where he's the, the killer stalking chick in the hospital? Yeah, so, uh, Hello, yeah. Mary Lou, Prom Night 2? Yes, the, the, the demented teacher principal. Uh, yes. Uh, we Total Recall. See you at the party, Rick. The... Starship Troopers. Starship, Starship Troopers, that's right. And, of course, and, if you are a fan of animation, he is the voice of Dark side on Justice League. That's right. I am not a fan of animation, but I can just picture him voicing Dark Side, and that makes perfect sense. Oh, it's probably one of the best villain voices ever. Uh, well, he gives a great line here in that voice. You did the best you could do, Hutch, being that you're you. That just sounded like <laughs> you're Trace Atkins. It did sound very Trace Atkinsy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it. I would have got away with it, too, if it weren't for that meddling doctor. I just, watching this whole thing and everybody's reactions to it, it's made me ashamed for every time that I've said, oh, yeah, I wish they'd break into my house. I'd shoot that son of a bitch. <laughs> every, person, every person in this movie, when they said it, I could hear me saying that like 10 years ago or two days it, ago. It's, and it, I'm just like, that's the stupidest thing to say. Actually, tell you've said it several times here on the podcast. I, I wish they would have done that to my house. But we're gonna we're gonna find out why, right? I mean, because I think no, that- we will. No, give give this give this some breath to find out why Hutch made the decision he did. Of course, but I will say this, and Todd, this is no slight on you. Anytime somebody hears about their someone else being broken into, and on Facebook or in person says, "Wish that was me," they broke into. I'd light that son that, bitch that, up. That you don't you don't wish that. Uh, nobody wants to wish that upon. Nobody us. wishes it, but I think it's there, there's two things. It's like one, uh, you don't you never know how you're gonna. I mean, as men, we talk shit and we yeah. all think we can handle ourselves. But you, there, I think it's true that you never really know how you're gonna react in a situation until you're in it. 
Um, I'm not Correct. one of those. I'm not one of those guys. I wish they'd break into my place. But my thought was, my dad and I are watching this, and we both play golf. So when he grabs the club, the first thing my dad goes is, "Not the three wood, grab the driver." And uh, well, no, I thought it's, it's, it's funny you said that, Doctor. I thought, why would you grab a wood? Why wouldn't you grab an iron? iron. That's what I that said. Like, so that's what my my dad goes. Not the three wood, grab the driver. And I turn him. I go, "No, you grab a pitching wedge and you bury it in that bitch's head." And so. Yes. <laughs> I had that same thought. I was like, no, not a wood. That'll break off. Like, no, you take, you take a, you take the lowest iron, a nine or a pitching wedge, and you just clock them with it. Now, and I, this is, I said the same. I didn't say, I wish it happened to me. I was turning to my dad, and I was like, man, I'd have buried a pitching wedge in that bitch's head. <laughs> it's like, I think I'm going to do that. You don't know what's going to happen, though. You don't know, and you certainly don't wish for the opportunity to find no, out. I, I, don't, I don't want it to happen. Yeah, for me, it was weird. It was like when I was single, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, come on, I'll lock that motherfucker. But now I'm like, I don't want them breaking in with my family and the cats. Come on. Todd, I've seen you shoot at doves. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Spray and pray, man. I'm accuracy through mass firepower. That is a legit burglar, tactic. If the burglar just basically does a lazy zigzag through your kitchen, he's <laughs> gonna get. He's gonna be. He's gonna be okay. <laughs> uh, and I'm being generous. Some, most of those birds just hover above Tut's head and just like taunt him. <laughs> that's that's true. Ouch. And I know because I'm sitting next to Tut in a chair, drinking, <laughs> laughing at him. Meanwhile, I, I don't Cody, actually have... Cody and our friend Young Paul, who are crack shots, are like trying to let me have a, at a bird. They they actually put their guns down to let me shoot at a few, and then like, oh fuck it. At the end of the night, our friend Young Paul will shoot a bird and throw it. Like Tut will shoot up in the air, and he'll throw it out there and be like, "You got one, Tut. You got it." <laughs> I it's saw you. I, I saw you, Paul, and I'm totally counting that. You clean it. <laughs> well, here's something interesting. Though. Hutch retreats to his office at the factory. He's an accountant for the factory. Obviously, he's wimpy. He's not out there welding and doing manly things. Where he opens up a cabinet and reveals a giant radio hidden. And through it, Hutch talks with the Wu-Tang Clan's RZA. RZA. You gotta recognize that voice. How could you not? He tells Riza the details of the robbery, including that not only did he know the make and model of the girl's pistol, but that he could also tell that it was unloaded, which is not something a wimpy noob. It's a word my daughter uses a lot. I've taken on. He's not a noob. He knows things, and we're starting to learn that he knows things. Riza tells him, well, that explains, Hutch, why you didn't do what you could have done. Hutch sighs and takes a drink from his flask before moping over to the nursing home to make some dinner for his elderly father, played by our own Ron Tuttle. Yes. Marty. Marty. <laughs> Great Scott. You could have oh, shot him. You could have shot him. Watts. I was hoping Tuttle would rip the ponytail off there and give us a good dog round, but uh, I know it's a chore to get it back in there. Uh, you know, uh, his father is played by Christopher Lloyd of Back to the Future fame. And uh, once Tut started growing his hair out, we all get, had a good laugh at that. Um, Tut, this conversation with the RZA is our first clue that Hutch might not be the wimpy suburban dad that we think he is, correct? Correct. 
Well, first of all, wimpy suburban dads don't talk to the RZA on a secret radio at work. No, no doubt, man. No doubt. Did anybody other than me briefly wonder whether or not that was an imaginary conversation that he was having? That would have been uh, kind of cool. Because I, I, I thought so at first. I thought, is he his, actually having a secret conversation with an ex, ex badass like himself, or is he just imagining that he is through that radio? That that was a first. I, I quickly disabused myself of that notion, but I, I thought of, at first. If you went if you went into this movie, which I do every movie, I don't watch trailers, and I try not to read anything. So I went into this movie cold turkey, didn't know a thing about Odenkirk's Hutch character. I may have, and I couldn't help it. I learned a little too much too early about the film. That is, that's interesting, Doc. Because yeah, I, I could totally see where. I, I, I didn't. I went into this dry. I didn't go there, but I would have liked to have gone there. That's a cool. That's a cool little thought. I like it. It's a very cool thought, uh, and I think it would have made for a really cooler movie, yeah. honestly. But that's a different movie. Uh, when Hutch then mopes his way home that night, his daughter, played by the worst child actress I've seen in a very long time, but she's young. Still time for She's barely in it. Daddy, can I lay with you? Are you scared? No, because you're here. It's oh. a child actor, man. I said there's still time for her to figure shit out. She's young. She said the lines. That's what kids... Hey, man. That's a success, I guess. But she tells him that her kitty cat bracelet is missing from the bowl in the kitchen. The same bowl that the robbers grabbed all the cash out of when they were going through shit. And suddenly, just like that, it's go time. Hutch turns away from his family, just got home from work, or feeding his dad, walks right out the front door, slams it, and leaves. You can punch his son in the fucking face, and he doesn't care. But that kitty cat bracelet, enough is enough. It's it's vengeance time. Guys gotta have some boundaries. I just, I just really hate that son. Like kind of which he was a real smart ass. He was, was always on his say, phone yeah. at, at the dinner table, always staring at his phone like a dickhead. Punch my doing some good. It didn't, Doctor. It didn't knock any sense into this kid. So Hutch goes back to the nursing home. His dad's asleep in front of the TV. He goes into his dad's closet, takes his father's FBI badge, his revolver, bullets, and he's on the hunt. His pops actually wakes up and encounters Hutch standing in his closet going through his things. He's put on one of his dad's jackets. Back so soon? Hey, pop. There's this thing I gotta go do. Then you best go do it. I like that. I, I kind of like that, too. I, how can you not like Christopher Lloyd in this role? Um, okay. So then we travel along with Hutch as he goes around town, a major, huge fucking city, mind you. We don't know what city it is, but it's huge. We see a lot of drone aerial footage. It's a giant city. Flashing his phony FBI badge at every after-hours tattoo parlor as he shows them the sketch drawing he made of the wrist tattoo that the female robber had. And get this. A few hours later, he has her address... And now the man and the woman are staring down the barrel of Hutch's gun. Hold on. All right. Yeah, you kind of walked over the 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 little sequence where he got it, where he walks into uh, this tattoo parlor, 
flashes the badge. There's this old time biker. Looks like he's a white supremacist biker type dude. He's got a Desert Storm veteran hat on. And uh, he was just like, "Look, son, if you're flashing that old badge, I was what 20 years out of date. All this stuff." He calls Odin Kirk or he calls Hutch on his bullshit. And it was like, "You better have a reason for it." And then when uh, Odin or Hutch raises up his arm, you see a little bit of his Shadow Company tattoo on his wrist. And all of a sudden, the guy was just like, oh, my name's Paul. This is between y'all. Walks into his office, and you hear like this two minutes of just locks. Click, 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 click. And the giant sagging thing over the window where he's just. (laughs) Well, first, he thanks Hutch for his service. He recognizes it as a a military tattoo. Thank you for your service, you two old timer. (laughs) And the guy, this grizzled old guy who's seen it all, which these biker tattoo guys respect, goes and hides behind the steel door. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the dude at the counter, the tattoo guy with the brass knuckles is like, all right, what do you want? I've seen a lot of shit, but I haven't seen that guy go run into his closet and lock all 15 deadbolts. I thought that was a cool thing. It was a cool scene, but I'm sorry. In a world where more people have tattoos than people who don't have tattoos, there's just no way whatsoever that, one, she probably didn't even get the tattoo in that city. Three, what are the odds in, like, two hours of looking around, he found the guy who gave her that tattoo. He's good. It has, a, pic- got, it has a picture of it on the part- wall. He's got a particular set of skills. It is such lazy fucking screenwriting. I didn't mind. Everybody has a everybody has a tattoo nowadays. The odds that you would find the tattoo artist in two hours that gave her that tattoo, and he would keep a detailed file on her home address. These guys, these no. bikers, are taking like, all right, give me your home address. Uh, <laughs> do you have any allergies? They're not keeping files on these people. The last the time, I, the, you're not saying anything that isn't technically true. The last time I said this several months ago, you snapped at me. I'm sorry. I, my my opinion is that you're nitpicking on something that really isn't important. If That's all I'm was... saying. I don't think you're saying anything that is technically untrue about tattoos and large cities and all of that. I'm just saying that in the context of the movie we're watching, going after that is nitpicking. My opinion, perhaps I'm wrong. It's completely, in my defense, it's completely unbelievable that he tracked down her tattoo artist that quickly. But here's the thing. A direct-to-video Steven Seagal movie, if he did this, it would I'd shrug it off. It would be expected. It's direct-to-video, blah, blah, blah. I got the sense that they were aspiring to something more with this film. And... It has so much lazy screenwriting like that that I'm like, okay, you're basically making a direct-to-video action movie with Bob Odenkirk, and you're not trying to be anything more than a direct-to-video Steven Seagal movie. I just figured this was John Wick with Bob Odenkirk, and so the the super sleuth isn't the thing that I'm going to watch for. It's punching people in the face. I don't get me wrong. Exactly this shit, what I got out of it. Todd. If this shit I, popped up in John Wick which it wouldn't, because I think even Keanu would be like, really? I found it this quick. Okay. As as the late Patrick Swayze said in Roadhouse, opinions vary. 
Well, Odenkirk's hutch shoves his gun in the robber's face. Give me the goddamn kitty cat bracelet, motherfucker! The guy doesn't know what he's talking about. They had the watch. They gave him back his watch that they stole, but they have no idea what the kitty cat bracelet is. Hutch pistol whips the guy, dumps him on the ground, but before he can shoot the bastard, he hears a baby crying down the hallway, and when he goes down there, it turns out not just to be an adorable baby, but an adorable baby on a breathing respirator in the crib. So Hutch takes pity on them. He's a family man. That's what he said when he first barged in on them. I'm a family man who did not deserve your gun in my face. That's why I'm here. So he goes out, he leaves them, he goes out in the alleyway and punches a brick wall 20 times instead. He can't, he can't it's kill a rage. Untapped his rage. Old, his old life is impeding on his new life and he's having a hard time controlling it, isn't he? Isn't he yet? Very much so. He liked that old life. He liked that old life. He liked that old life a little more than he's ever been able to kind of acknowledge at this point. We join Hutch and his bloody knuckles on a metro bus as he heads home. It's only himself and two other passengers, a big dude and a, a cute young chick. Out of the blue, a jet black Hummer blasting terrible dance music tries to pass the slow move bus on the downtown street. And it ends up smashing into a concrete barrier next trash. to it. So of course the of course the bus driver slams on the brakes. Five drunken Russian men wearing leather coats stumble out of the Hummer and smack on the bus door demanding to be let on. Here we get another Hutch voiceover. They say God doesn't close one door without opening another. Please, God, open that door. He wants them to get on that bus. He's got bloodlust, and he didn't get to kill the, that man and woman who robbed him. He wants some action. Hutch is still hungry for some good old-fashioned vigilante justice. As crooner Steve Lawrence's I've Gotta Be Me starts playing, Hutch smiles. I hope all these assholes like hospital food. And he proceeds to both kick all of their asses and get his kicked and his ass kicked handily by all of them. The fact that he's so rusty, he hasn't fought in God knows how many years, and they're so drunk on vodka, <laughs> really evens out the playing field. It's a brutal, bloody bunch of minutes we spend watching these dudes fighting in the bus. My favorite part was how Hutch, he'd knock all these dudes down, and then he kept going back to that one guy and trying to strangle him. First, he did it with the, like, where you pull to stop the bus. Stop he, wrapped bus. That, he wrapped that around his neck, tried to strangle with that, then he got distracted. Later, he grabbed a purse off the ground, put the purse straps around him, and tried to strangle with that. He really wanted to strangle that dude. And there's some fun little cuts in here. You mentioned the uh, strangling with the bus stop cord, and as he's beating the dude against the wall, the cut goes to the sign. And it's like you see the request. It's a request stop sign. Ding, request stop. Ding, request stop. Ding, request stop. And I just I can just imagine the guy who was like, please stop, please stop. I just thought the little stuff like that was fun. It was a brutal five-minute fight scene, and I mean, he's getting his ass. He get, at one point, he gets thrown out the window. He wakes up and kind of comes to in a shard of glass, but they're in there drunk as shit. He stabbed them all. They've stabbed him, but he gets up, and he goes back in the bus for another round. I will, Eventually, I will say, Hutch is the last man standing. I will, I will say that 
instead of going to that uh, that monologue, this they have shown uh, they've shown a good knack for editing and jump cuts. I would have loved all of that to have been silent and just a quick cut of all the other passengers being terrified about these guys coming onto the bus and then a slow deal of that that bus opening and then a quick cut over to Hutch, a close-up, a real close-up of him, and then you just see him smile. Just that, just that smile, like it's on, motherfuckers. You don't need to. T- you don't need to. Well, say he does. This. He does. You don't need to. He is sitting, talk about he is how you sitting, want them. He is. He is sitting at the back of the bus, smiling when they get on. But here's the thing. They don't really do anything to warrant what he does to them. Oh no, he picks it. He yeah. It's, he picks it's, this. It's, impl- it's implied what they're going to do, but they yeah, but, haven't done anything. They have not done anything to deserve what he does to them. They knock a magazine out of the, they knock a magazine out of the guy's hand, and they're kind of talking to that young chick. But dude, he takes that as he goes in front of bus, takes out his gun, empties its bullets. I'm gonna fuck you all up. He just wants to fight. But if one of the other guys had just said, "Whoa, man, you got the wrong dudes here. We're not up to anything. We're not. We just had too much to drink." We're just on our way home, you know. But the one guy starts laughing and gets up and goes at him. So he made a good call. I I, I, I enjoyed the whole thing. Out of all of this, I'm more concerned that while this is happening, that the bus driver immediately didn't call the cops because he took her phone. He kept her phone. He put her phone like by the glove in the glove box. And told her yeah, just to wait they outside. They didn't do that initially. She let them on the bus. She should have let. Plus, it's a radio. She should have radioed it in. Yeah. Immediately. Uh, like, oh my I god, someone had a car wreck. I think you're nitpicking that. Damn. I think. <laughs> but I still I like think, the scene. I think you're just picking this. You know what? She found perpetrators after two hours with a sketchy tattoo. Apparent. Apparently. This fight scene took three days in this bus to film. I should have been clear when I started. The bus is stopped. It's not a moving bus. Scene. Right. Uh, the driver gets out. Apparently, this fight scene took three days to film. It's very impressive. Uh, I only noticed two punches. I don't know if y'all saw it, where Odenkirk didn't actually land the pu- like. It was off. Like he would. You could see the fake punches, and the the stuntman reacting. Which, you know, for a comedic guy in his 50s or whatever, okay, I, I, I let that pass. I, let that pass. I was impressed, man. Uh, you know, Hutch isn't, or Odenkirk's not an action an action star. He's not, this isn't in his lifeblood, and yet he held it up. I will say this, though, and I, I actually don't have this in my notes, and I never, I've watched the movie twice, and I didn't really consider this before, but this is a little different than, I guess I'm learning a little bit tonight. It is a little bit different than the Bronson or the Seagal revenge films because when their family gets fucked with or when with Bronson, it was just every every scum on the street is toast. It doesn't matter what. But, dude, I will give it this. This guy's looking for fights. Bronson, when he goes and gets an ice cream cone, he knows that he's probably going to get fucked with and he's going to kill somebody. 
but he's not looking for it. He's not like excited about it. Like, like Hutch is actually wishing for trouble because he has something inside of him that he knows, like he has a gift and he hasn't exercised that muscle in a long time. And he, he couldn't use it on who he wanted to use it on. That is kind of different, I guess. I like John that. Wick. You, you woke John Wick. John Wick. John Wick. John Wick. It's about his dog. I, you know, he just this blind rage about you know how dare you kill my. I get that. I got wiener dogs. I kill motherfucker and mess with my wiener dogs. But this guy is just—he actually like a spark was lit under his ass. He just wants to fight. That is kind of—I I just kind of realizing that is that is a different perspective that I can't really because like walking tall or uh what's the William Devane movie uh revenge movie doctor where he's in the wheelchair uh William Rolling Thunder Rolling Thunder uh oh. all, all the the classic movies where it's like a war veteran who came back and had to do revenge on on dudes yeah this guy just has a, a real fire under his ass that's been kind of ignited to to fight again. He doesn't care who it is. All right. Hey, I'll give it that. And that's that's fresh. I didn't think about that going into the show. You guys brought that out of me. Yay. Or maybe the Cabernet did. Well, <laughs> heard it both ways. But eventually, Hutch is the last man standing. As he walks out of the bus covered in glass and blood, sorry about the mess, he says to the terrified Asian bus driver. As he walks into the moonlight, Ugh. his one-liners do. Yeah. Having complimented it, I will just ask you: at this point, did y'all see this? At this point, as a paint-by-the-numbers stereotypical action film, I saw it. That's as, what it. That's as, what it. That's what it is. At this point. I saw it as John Wick with Bob Odenkirk. That is exactly <laughs> what I saw it as. Totally. Like I feel without without seeing any of these movies, I feel that like you could plug Liam Neeson into nobody, and it would be just like all the other dumb Liam Neeson movies. Well, I disagree. At this point, no. Once you get to the next part, it I was like, oh, here we go. Because I didn't know I I didn't I never I didn't watch the trailer or anything for this, so I didn't know I didn't know where this was going. So okay. I mean, I was like, what? Was he was he gonna be like you know was he gonna go down the death wish thing was it gonna where was he taking it because I mean right. basically he had resolved the issue with his kid except he hadn't found the bracelet was he you know was he gonna get off, I was like was he getting gonna get off the bus and go to the twenty four hours store and buy a new kitty cat bracelet right. go back home wash her into the beat so, or like me don't don't get the kitty cat bracelet don't avenge your family just go to cvs buy a couple of bottles of ten dollar wine and go down to your basement and play pinball it's an option whatever works well as famed film historian ray carney would often say about these type of movies it certainly tickles the reptilian brainstem, doesn't it action movies at the very hardcore when you see dudes fighting in a bus for five minutes as a man, it, it ignites something in you that you like watching. It's candy. Right? Yes, candy. and I thought this movie did a great job of that throughout. That's what mm-hmm. I wanted. I, I didn't... I'm with Cut. John Wick, played by Bob Odenkirk. I thought the fact that it was Bob Odenkirk rather than somebody else didn't make it a cookie-cutter action movie because of his performance. 
Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to see know? what he brings. I, I thought it was such a such an atypical casting for this role. I wanted to I want let's let's give the boy a shot. Let's see what happens. You made Cade. You made the Liam Neeson comment. If it were Liam Neeson in the role, then yes, because it was Bob Odenkirk, that made uh, quite a difference in the tone. Well, I mean, the, and when it, the it, fuck it, when the fuck did Liam Neeson become Lee Marvin? Like, how the fuck is Liam Neeson an action hero? Because Taken was fun. Nah, maybe that's when I lost interest in action movies. When that guy started being like some kind of badass. It was fun. Well, obviously, you've never seen a little gym called Next of Kin. Very fun. That was... He did some really other fruity stuff after that. (laughs) Cut the cigar. Yeah. Nothing still? Nothing. Nothing. Man, you picked the wrong beer, dude. This is a delicious cigar. Yaks, cedar... Cream, mild cream, but that cedar and earthiness on the draw. Those floral and tea notes mixed with that spice. Still medium spice on the nose. It is decreasing as the cigar goes on, that spice. But, uh, man, it, it's a it's a wonderfully complex cigar, am I right? It is. I can agree with that. Man, that sucks because I really like the beer, too. Well, I'll give you another one, but I only got three uh, from our... One of our flagship sponsors, Famous Smoke Shop. That um, is okay. You guys want to, are you guys in the last third? You want to talk price point? Sure. Tut, what do you what do you care? You're not gonna get anything out of this guy. Six fifty. That's where I'm putting this. Six fifty. <laughs> Six three bucks. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> three dollars for that. Can uh, baseball cards. <laughs> Yak boy, are you in the final third? I am in the final third. Okay. Uh, I'll come back to it just a final thoughts but let's go ahead and talk price point because um, I'm used to paying you know well over 10 bucks for a, an Epernay which I, that's my, been my favorite of the Illusioni cigars um, I think the one off was in that ballpark too um, but like I said he also makes delicious Rothschilds and he does another version the Gigante I think yeah, yeah. which is a, a bigger version of his, his cheaper cigar which is awesome too uh, which is, I think, five bucks. So he does kind of broaden his catalog along different price points. Um, but this celebrating his 10th anniversary in 2016, I'm going to go to Cody since he and I are the only ones that are kind of <laughs> experiencing what this cigar can give. Yeah, Max, what would you uh, guess on this one? 10th anniversary. I would just go $10. First of all, to su- survive 10 years in the industry is a, a success. Uh, but I'm going to roll in right around $13.50. I'm going to go $13.51. You son of a bitch. Let's see where it lands. Fourteen sixty six is what we got these cigars for. Man, it's uncanny. Uh, you, I went. Uh, oh, I, I guess I win. I guess I win. Um, so yeah, uh, fourteen sixty six. And Tut, I want you to seek this cigar out and get another one with with uh, a more favorable drink, maybe a gin and tonic. Probably not gin, Tut. 
or a glass or a glass of wine because I think your experience will be completely different than with the Russian Imperial style. And I've had other Illusion cigars. Like I said, the Epernay is a fantastic cigar. So yeah, I I, I definitely don't slouch the cigars. This isn't the cigar's fault. It's just not made for this beer, and this beer is just bootstepping yeah. it all over the place. I, I think if we were doing a, a big, oily, broadleaf bastard uh, that was bringing in the, the heavy Lajeros, you might be the winner tonight, Todd, but you're the loser. Um, and please remember... <laughs> just give me just the kidding. goddamn kitty cat bracelet. <laughs> give me the goddamn Imperial Stout. <laughs> please remember, folks, when purchasing some fine Illusione cigars from FamousSmokeShop.com, to use your new favorite promo code, TNCC20, at checkout. TNCC20. It will knock $20 off your purchase of $100 a month. $20. Dr. $20 off $100. That's, 20, that's like 20%. That is exactly 20%, sir. 0.2. Okay. 0.2. Well, folks, uh, we just came away from a, a brief break, and Tut has wisely, maybe, shifted gears to a white claw. Rasmataz hard seltzer to see if that will somehow be better for tonight's cigar. Are you getting notes of sugar? Shame? <laughs> I'm getting lots of notes of shame. Um, well, I mean... Are you picking up notes of tramp stamps? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what the purpose of this thing is. Poor life decision. Uh, underage college guys in 2021? I think maybe that's their beverage of choice. I, I don't think that's going to be the answer to your pairing riddle, uh, but I could be wrong. Maybe maybe that'll help uh, bring out in the no, final. No, I think I think you're right. I think you're. Yeah. If that's all you got, hey man, that's all you got in the fridge. That's all you got in the fridge. Uh, we don't judge guys for what they keep in their fridge. No, I've got water in the fridge. Can you guys believe that he has a white claw in the fridge? It's my wife's. Thank you very much. Oh, well, that's fine. She's never going to say a harsh word about your wife. She's lovely. Isn't <sighs> Bad taste in beer. It's not a beer. It's, it's not a beer. It's, it's a malt beverage. Uh, is it a malt beverage, yet? It is. Oh. Technically, they're trying to recreate basically you know club soda and liquor but they can't put liquor in in the can so it's 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 a malt beverage well and i'm not just not as good as malt liquor i feel feel a little well you know the the doctor and i are, are connoisseurs of the finest of malt liquors over the years from mickey's to steel reserve to old english and king cobra We've, we've tried them and enjoyed them all. Uh, I have not had a White Claw. I will say I, I have on occasion, not in uh, quite a while, I, I have gone for the uh, Four Locos uh, to see what all the buzz was about. Um, I got buzzed. Um, what was the Blue Raz, Doc, that I, that I took one for the team? I drank the Blue Raz? Blue Raz was a Steel Reserve. Was that a Steel Reserve? Blue Raz. I, uh, that was pure anti-freeze. Uh, drank, drank a couple of those and called the doctor. Didn't, couldn't remember my own name. But you're used to <laughs> the color. You're used to, you're used to that, doctor. Um, 
All right, we'll, we'll tie it in the final uh, 30 year cigar. Let us know if that White Claw Raspberry. Uh, I think the damage is done. I think you're right. At home after this massacre on the bus, Becca's weight much and she begins sewing up his wounds. Just like old times, Hutch says. So she clearly knows of his secret past life and is aware of the illusion, like tonight's cigar, that he's been presenting to everyone else. He tells her that he misses her, and he was thinking earlier how we haven't embraced in far too long. Oh my God. I actually rewound that line to see if he actually said it the way I heard it. And did he? I've been thinking how we haven't embraced in far too long. Who the fuck wrote that line? And why did Bob Odenkirk agree to say it? It is a terrible line. I can't believe, as a comedian, he said it with a straight face. I th- I think that there's part deep down, Odenkirk loved saying that line because he realized just how bad it was and just the fact that he said it. Oh yeah, a guy named Derek. Right, well, I mean, guy are we named looking Derek? at this the wrong way? Was this really? No, it's not satire. It's not. It's not satire. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's meant to be straight. It's meant, it's to, meant be straight. to be straight. I, that's where you were going, Yax. It is not satire. <laughs> it's been so and long since we've embraced. You know, a guy you know what I'm Derek... talking about, right? I'm talking about sex. It's been so long named... since I've stuck my pee-pee in you. That would be Odenkirk. He says, what? My pee-pee doesn't even remember what your woo-woo looks like. That, that would be so <laughs> I can't remember the last time I was in your no-no square. <laughs> but no, he doesn't say that. A guy named Derek Kolstad apparently wrote that line, and shame on him, and shame on Odenkirk. He's a hell of a writer. He should have spoke up and demanded something better. If you're playing this as a straight film... You could just say that's terrible writing. We gotta do something else. Hutch also says they haven't had sex in months, and we haven't made love in years. Well, seeing him all manly with his cuts and bruises does the trick. Because guess what? All of a sudden, Becca's removing the great wall of pillows from the middle of the bed later that night. That's right. All he had to do this whole time was damn near get himself killed Mrs. by a Hutch. half dozen Russian. Tear this pillow wall down. All he had to do was almost get himself killed by a half dozen Russian mobsters to warm up his wife's panties. Uh, I told you, uh, you thought you seen the last of that thing. You never saw the last of that. I, 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 I knew I didn't. So, so you how got, long did you work on where you had to place it to get it to sound right? Probably all day. I don't know. It was about 10 hours. Probably two days. <laughs> no, 10 hours a day for three days. Did you guys actually hear it? We did. Yeah, we, we heard it. All right. No, you're the only one to enjoy that. Enter Julian. <sighs> it's like what J, God- except pronounced with a Y. Julian. And what a goddamn entrance this is. Yulian is an older Russian gangster who dresses flashy, snorts coke, sings karaoke, and when he's not flipping out and exploding on other dudes violently, he's in charge of watching over the Obshak, 
which is basically the 401k account for all Russian mafia members. It's just racks and racks of cash, hundreds of millions of dollars that continuously travel around the world to keep safe. And for a certain amount of time, it's Yulian's job to babysit it. It's his responsibility to watch over the Obshack's safety. Man, is this actor so goddamn good in this role? I, or what? Pre- I appreciate this character. He's literally the only thing I took away from the movie as anything above mediocre. This guy rocks. This guy is casting. I think you're way too harsh on the movie, but I don't think you're wrong on the on this. Well, and I can say this much as we, you know, we always say, what good your hero can only be as bad as your villain. If your villain's not bad. I just thought this guy was fun to be around. I wanted to see more of him. I enjoyed every time he was on screen. I li- I liked him. I I thought he was very very fun. And oh, I, liked- awesome. I just don't share. What's interesting is we all apparently like Julian, and I I do not share Cade's thoughts about the rest of the movie. That's okay. Yeah, no, it's just it's interesting. We all like Yulian, and I thought he fit right in with everything else. I like the karaoke aspect. I thought that was fun, man. But get this. As we all didn't see this coming in my way, Yulian's younger brother is one of the dead Russian goons Uh-oh. That, Hutch took, that Hutch took out on the bus, and now this crime boss wants him some revenge. It's on. It's on. The next morning, Hutch is going for his usual jog, which we saw a lot of that, in that montage early in the first thing in the film. But after getting laid the night before for the first time in a long time, he's noticing birds singing in the sky. He's whistling while showering and making fresh bacon for all of his breakfast. He's a man reborn. Not just from getting laid, but he got to kick some ass, and that's, that's what he loved. All I needed was a five-minute fight on a bus with some random strangers. He got what he needed. He's got the juice back. But all of a sudden, his old friend Riza calls him up and warns Hutch that he's now fucking with Yulian, and that's not somebody you want to be fucking with. He begs Hutch to go see the barber for more info, and after work that night, this is in the morning when uh, Riza calls him, but he goes to work, works all day, and that night on the way home, he does indeed go to a barber shop downtown that's filled with dudes machine guns and a smooth British accented guy getting a close shave he's the barber and he's been waiting for Hutch apparently he's been waiting all day for Hutch because that's when the RZA told me to go there he's been getting a close shave all day just waiting for Hutch to walk in the door because get this Hutch is like, what do you know about a guy named Yulian? And resting on the barber's lap is a file folder on Yulian. Which you would think like one of the guards would be over there. It's the guy you were talking about. He's coming in. Give me the folder. He's coming in. Right, get, get back in the chair. Get, get the shave going again. Shave. Right now. Shave. I've been shaving you for fun. Do it again. Do it again. This scene was so fucking stupid. I get that they wanted to add some layers and character, sub-characters to Hutch's other world of espionage and all that, but it was so lame. And it didn't make any logistical sense. This I guy just it was fine. St- this, was a, this was his former handler. This is giving him the dossier on the dude. I had, I had this, no problem with this. Just hangs out at a barbershop all day long getting shaved. Plus, I like yeah, the actor who was playing the barber. My problem was the barbershop was like... 
too slick and clean and modern and the guy everyone John, wearing it, suits. No, well, it was it was straight out of John Wick. John Wick had yeah. all those interesting characters. He if he had just gone to like a barber shop, like just a couple of chairs and some old dude cutting hair, that would have been much cooler. You know, just a little barber shop. Thank you. Yes. You're not going to walk into this place where you apparently have to cross 20 yards to get to the chair. <laughs> Go in. You mean and this cavernous two, room? And there's two dudes with Uzis standing there guarding the guy getting his. I mean, who walks into this barber shop? Hey, I need a. Oh, I need a haircut for this evening. No, not your place. It made no logistical sense, but we'll move on. Meanwhile, across town, Yulian is utilizing one of his trusty, sexy Russian hackers to track down Hutch using his Metro bus card. Hey, we can find the guy in the bus because he had to use a bus card, so she gets to work on the computer. She immediately uncovers what nursing home his pops is at, and then sends some racy dominatrix pics to a guy at the Pentagon, blackmailing him into delivering some info on Hutch. And get this, when nothing comes up on the computer, access denied, top secret, this doofus just goes down to a dark basement of the Pentagon with his cell phone flashlight on and finds a random cardboard box with a bunch of files on Hutch and his true identity. Well, I love how the fact that, like, you know, there's no security for this. I got no problem with this, man. I can tell you and Doctor are fine with it. I get it. Different strokes for different folks. It it raises questions. This shit happens in a Steven Seagal movie. People call it out. So we should call it out just as much, if not more, in this movie. Because I believe... That's just the funny thing. I don't call it out in a Steven Seagal movie. I don't think they're like, you know what? I came to watch this movie to watch some guy kick his ass. But this scene with them going to a dark room in a Pentagon sub-basement just fucking totally just brought me out of it. I don't. I am like, kick some ass and let's have Something, something about nobody gave me the impression that it thought it was better than a Steven Seagal movie, and this is one of the scenes where I was like, "No, you're not. You're not well, better it, than a Steven." It is. It is better movie. because it actually doesn't have Steven Seagal. <laughs> well, personally, well, not now. I like I like Steven Seagal movies. Well, now he is a Russian. Yeah, <laughs> he's a Russian. He's a Russian citizen now. He's he's, he's our enemy now. Pretty much, but I I guess I didn't read enough into this or do background research. There was nothing that was making me think that this was like Pooh and Seagal movies and saying, oh, we're so much better. Watch this. It was just like, hey, we've got Bob Odenkirk and we're going to kick some ass. Well, at least the first four or five Seagal movies didn't have anything this lame brain in them. The classic. This was straight out of John Wick with, with the barber scene. I. I've I've only seen each of the John Wick movies once, and I think each one in succession was not as good as the previous. But I, that's what Tut said. John Wick with Bob Odenkirk. That's what I thought this was. Those movies are silly. They're outlandish. They're over the top. They're crazy. And I thought this was the same thing with Bob Odenkirk. That's that's what I thought. I I, I never got the impression that. Oh, this movie thinks it's better than a Seagal movie. It's better than a Seagal movie. I just thought it was. It's as Tut says, John Wick with Odenkirk. But you know, that's. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to why John Wick with Odenkirk in my mind should have been something different later. We'll get to that real quick. Yaks, I'm gonna switch uh, wines. 
Well, I have a little cigar left. I'm going to bring out my reasonably sized wine glass that's as big as my head. <laughs> and I am going to sample the steak and potatoes Cabernet Sauvignon because a little bit from now, our main character, Hutch, is going to be enjoying some steak and potatoes in a nightclub, and I thought that would pair well. Eh? Eh? No, good pair and again, you said... And again, uh, Yax, you said you couldn't find anything on this one. But what did your about, uh, quickie mark? And by the way, I could clerk. If I wanted to, I could. If I wanted to, I could pour the entire wine bottle into that glass. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't because I'm classy. You just poured it in there, didn't you? I did. That's why we can't uh, see the glass. Hey, at least so we don't using, know. At least you're using a wine glass around here. You get this a regular glass. It is also a Cabernet Sauvignon from California Yaks, also a 2018. No tasting notes from the CVS sommelier? It tastes like steak and potatoes. No, I learned my lesson, Doc. Thank you very much. I, I am a malleable human being. When I have a bad experience, I go elsewhere. I actually got this from Walgreens. <laughs> my apologies. Oh, and you know what? It is less sweet and a little bit drier. I actually prefer the steak and potatoes oh, okay. uh, to the simple life. I can agree. I do like the dry red. I can tell you're a man who likes the dry red, sir. And with these orthopedics, you'll be drinking that dry red comfortably on your feet all day long. How did you know I picked up some Dr. Scholl's inserts while I was there? <laughs> and maybe a box of Junior Mints. Don't judge me. We have a special today. Buy two bottles of the Steak and Potatoes Cabernet and get a free family-sized bag of combos. <laughs> they were pretzel combos. What was that and, one hotel we went to where they gave us like a complimentary bottle of wine and we were just like, oh, yes, oh, that was That was Orlando. They gave us two. That was the one gave us, large smoker I went on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they gave us a bottle of wine, and being the gracious guest, I was like, well, you know, there's four of us. And so they gave us another, they gave us another bottle of wine. <laughs> I think they're like, here, we don't want this rock gut. We've got six bucks to the 7-Eleven. Here, have some steak and potatoes. <laughs> God, it was the steak and potatoes, Cabernet Sauvignon. Drink all this piss you want to. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm picking up tannins of... Uh, you're picking up well, cannons? That's a good sign. <laughs> well-worn uh, leather, possibly Indonesian leather. Dark cherries, maybe blackberries as well. And a no-no square. <laughs> perhaps boysenberry? <laughs> and perhaps a touch of boysenberries. Okay. And you know what? Don't hold me to this. And a touch of boysberries. Tut. Stay out of my no-no square. <laughs> There's a there Don't is just there. a there is just a hint of huckleberry. Ooh, very nice, very nice. And on the back end, a little bit of smurf berries. Um, and this will be this will be the last episode we ever drink wine on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we kind of we kind of glossed over him, and probably for a reason. But I do want to ask about our favorite Black Russian in this movie. Is we did that, gloss over him. Is that actor the same guy who played in Death Note? Uh, he played like no. the the guy no, that he's was not. going after. Okay. No. No. Uh, I did like this actor quite a bit, um, and 
I, I actually thought he would be one of the last surviving bad guys because oh, no. they build him up. They build him up such a badass, but we're gonna see he goes pretty quickly. I, I did like the Black Russian quite a bit, and and of course there's a bad Black Russian joke when he dies, where Odenkirk, I never met a Black Russian before. I get that. And the guy's like, I get that a lot. As he set his body severed in half. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. Well, back at the Manzel house, Hutch has baked a delicious lasagna from scratch, and that has all his family members liking him again suddenly. Oh, Dad made some lasagna. All right. All of a sudden, this giant bruise on my face from that robber punching me when you could have taken him out. Dad made a lasagna. Hey, he did the right thing. He said, boy, you got my back. That was a good move. I'm proud of you. He actually, uh, Hutch does have a little pep in his step and is talking to his son again. It, it is, there is a little something there. And I can vouch for this. When you make your family something they actually enjoy eating, it's fun. all of a sudden you are elevated up like from dog shit to an acceptable member of the family. It's why I like cooking. Yeah. Well, I was going with microwave hot dogs. Hey, Whatever. If that's what works. Dad made microwave hot dogs. All right. I almost forget about that gang member choking me out in the living room the other night. Hey, here's another hot dog. Whatever works. Whatever. Any boat? Any uh, port port storm? storm. Just as he's proposing that they all go on vacation in Italy that summer, Becca's like, "Can we afford that?" Hutch is like, "Can we afford not to?" He's taking charge, boy. Yes. He sees an ar- He looks out the window and sees an army of black SUVs headed down his cul-de-sac, and he orders Becca and the kids down the basement. He locks them down there with a secret keypad. He like flips the air conditioner thing down and types in a secret code. Yeah, it's like it's a, panic a panic room. room. And a, a steel door slams shut. Before it does, though, he looks at him. Don't call nine one one. But you won't the cops be able there. to in this secret panic dungeon I created out of the basement because there's oh, and no it, cell phone signals. If, if you call 911, it might save y'all, but it won't give me the opportunity to cure this bloodthirst in my veins kill a million Russians. I in a basement dungeon. Maybe at, the old, maybe at the old steel mill, Doctor. Uh, well, we can't, ba- we, we, we can't have basements here in Texas. The limestone, you can't you can't go that deep. Well, then I'll just call it a dungeon. Well, I, th- I think anything underground, you're you're kind of limited. Are you telling me I can't make a dungeon somehow? I would never tell you that. And I want to tell you right now, by the tone of your voice, I encourage you to do whatever the hell you want to do because I'm on your side, buddy. <laughs> I'm, pro- I'm Team Doctor. Team Doctor. <laughs> I want to be... I want to be down in that dungeon by your side, buddy. Good answer. You won the day. Uh, the cut to Hutch wiping. The day is mine. <laughs> cut to Hutch wiping out the entire squad of Russian mobsters in his house using a baseball bat, a butcher knife, a teapot, and finally some of their own machine guns on him. And it looks like he's going to come out the victor until a chick comes out of the blue and tasers him in the neck and knocks him unconscious. Julian did say he wants him alive. I love the teapot assault. Dong. Why would they have a running teapot going while they were just starting dinner? 
perhaps he's just a fan of delicious tea. I like, like tea. A, you like an herbal tea with your lasagna? A little after, little after dinner snack. Maybe it helps with the digestion. Okay. All right. Hutch wakes up in the trunk of a car, but of course he's able to escape from his handcuffs easily and use a fire extinguisher that just happened to be in the trunk. Nobody has well, that. Well, let's, let's just rewind real quick. He just wakes up and he snaps his own thumb to remove the... <laughs> okay, well, you know, he does do that. He slips out. But then he opens up, like, the little side thing in the trunk where you keep a jack, and the Russians keep a fire extinguisher in there for some reason. Uh, so he kicks open the back the, the back seat and fills the cab of the car with smoke from the fire extinguisher, causing it to crash. Flips over on its top. That's where he has the conversation with the severed and half black Russian. And he actually, the black Russian asks him, who are you? Well, that's funny you ask. I'm what they call an accountant. But then he stops himself. Oh, shit. What am I? The cops are going to be here any minute. I got to get out of here. I wanted more of that. Well, no. The, I wanted more. I thought it was funny because he goes, he starts going into his backstory, and then the guy dies. And that's what stops him as he looks down. But that's what stops him. But then he's dead. And then, then like, he has oh, this shit. moment. Then he has this moment where he's like, "Oh, why was I telling this severed and half guy in my life story?" He's so he. It's clear he wants because we'll learn here in a little while. He wants to tell people, yeah, the secrets that he's been keeping inside. I wanted more of that. I wanted more of funny Bob Odenkirk having these little moments. And this was the first one we've had in the whole goddamn movie. I thought that they, I was like, all right, man, if they, if they drag this out to where like he kills some people and then delivers a little bit more of his backstory. And then the guy dies and he has to stop. And then he kills somebody else, delivers a little bit more of his backstory. The guy dies. He stops. I was like, that would be a little fun. I'm, I was hoping to see that. Let's, let's, let's rock. Like, it. like doctors thing with the radio where it was in his imagination. I think that's a great call to where if he little by little told his backstory to dead bodies. Yeah. That would be funny. That would be different. I think their the real intention was to do it without that. No, it was. You're, no, you're absolutely right, Doctor. It was to play it straight. Uh, okay. Hutch runs on foot back to the house where he leads his family out of the basement and past all the dead bodies. He does cover his daughter's eyes. As he leads them through the living room, he puts them in the family sedan. Once again, sorry, son. Fuck you. You're man enough to see all this. Well, no, I'm getting to that, Tut. And Becca drives the station wagon with herself and the kiddos to safety. Dudes, as much shit as that kid gave his dad after that home invasion, how do you not have a scene here between the two of them when he just saw... 12 dead Russians that his dad kicked their ass. How do you not have a moment here? It's banging for it. it dad, yeah. what? dad, tell me. Dad, what was that? Dad, what? Nothing. We get nothing. That was a total lost opportunity. Doctor, even you could agree to that. Sorry, buddy. Never occurred to me. Total? <laughs> uh, it didn't occur to me, but hearing you say that, yeah, that would have been a great little scene there. Why else have the kid give him so much shit if he can't have a moment of redemption and see his dad's a badass and acknowledge it and they talk about it? Or just sure. a or just a look, like a quick look of Or just like, anything. Anything. They don't even show I think, I think it would actually have been kind of hilarious had he just looked at the son and be like, listen to your mother. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you you missed an opportunity there. Sure. All right. 
I think I think Yax is right. Like, Dad, I don't want to go with Mom. You'll do what I say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, m- missed opportunity. I'll go along with that. Stay off the goddamn cell phone. You got it, Dad. <laughs> like, like, show him like respect his dad for the first time in his life. That's a great opportunity to do that. Well, that or it would have been more. I think you know if he had been like, Dad, am I going to get a new baseball bat? Yes. I, I look. I broke it in half and I stabbed that Russian in the face with it. I'm going to get you a new bat. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, it never occurred to me, but I can see that as a missed opportunity. Okay. Okay. Hutch takes four dead gangsters down, drags their bodies down the basement, and props them up on his couch in his man cave, so he can tell them a little bit about himself and his past. This was in with Tut's thing, where he would be awesome if he just told it all. To, which here he does. He tells it all. To and wasn't one of the guys still alive? One of the guys was hanging on for yeah. dear life. But by the end of Hutch's story, he's dead. he's dead. He pours a glass of bourbon. He puts a record on the stereo. And he lays a tale of the one time he didn't pull the trigger on his intended target during his long career as a government assassin. The man pleaded for his life, swore that he would change. He would go, you know, back, what do they say, from a sheep to a... From a wolf to a sheep. A wolf back to a sheep. He would, he would totally change his ways. For some reason, Hutch believed him and let him go. And... Years later, Hutch tracked him down and peered in his dining room window to find the guy living a normal, happy life with wife and kids. He actually did what he said. He was out of the espionage game and living a, a, a suburban life, and Hutch got jealous. He wanted that for himself, so he told his bosses that he was quitting. They didn't think that, the, that Hutch could do it. Killing's his life. It's all he's ever done. They didn't think he could actually do it. And as evidenced by Hutch's actions over the last few days, they were right. Like, this shit is inside him. He realized that his life up until now has been a facade, an illusione, if you will. But he's thankful for it. He tells the dead bodies it was even better, it was even better facade than I imagined it would be. He knew he was faking it. He knew he was burying this stuff. But it actually was more enjoyable and it went longer than he ever thought it would. So he puts a special record on the turntable that when a needle touches it, it ignites into flames. It is Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. And then he leaves the men to die as he designed the basement to get as hot as 3,000 degrees, which is twice as hot as needed to burn bone to ash. He tells them, they're not even going to find your, your bones in this place. I've designed it that way. Doctor, there's no way they're bouncing back from that. My God, no. There's going to be nothing left of them. You could fit what's left of them inside the ashtray. There'll be no trace of the remains. Their Russian mommies will never have a problem. My God, those communist proletariat mothers of theirs will never find their remains. Sad. They were probably just more upset because I mean he was just burning his entire record collection as well, which was pretty extensive. He didn't seem that was unnecessary, didn't he? Yeah, a lot of good records down there. He didn't seem too attached to anything. He grabbed a few family photos on his way out of the house, and that was it. He steals his dickhead neighbor's muscle car, the Charger. Pops in Pat Benatar's heartbreaker. Uh, Dodge Challenger. 
which is a better muscle oh, car. Oh, Challenger, I'm sorry. I don't know my muscle cars. And he peels out of the cul-de-sac. He's out of it. Across town, Yulian sends two goons to kill Hutch's dad at the nursing home. But just as they creep into his room and pull their guns on the sleeping old man in front of his television set, he reaches up, sticks his finger between uh, the hammer that's about to fall on the pistol, and then he pulls up his sawed-off double-barrel shotgun and blows them both away. Okay, this scene was actually great because What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong, that sad, depressing song, is still playing from the last scene. And it led up to thinking, oh, they're going to kill his dad. And that's going to be really sad. And they actually did something smart and had the dad be with it enough to blow these two dudes away. I didn't, I didn't think I didn't think that he was going to die at all because uh, there was a scene there where Odenkirk calls his dad and he's like, "Hey, dad, that thing I had to do, it escalated. Uh, heads up!" And then when he hangs up the phone, he does this little quarter turn to the camera and you see Christopher Lloyd smile. And I was like, oh, it's all motherfucker. Dad's about to get in. I honestly thought he was going to die. And when he didn't, I was like, that's awesome. And and I will say this. Christopher Lloyd has mastered that cockeyed smile. (laughs) Yeah. To a point to where it's his trademark. And you're right, Tut. When you saw that smile on that phone call, you... Foreshadowing, you you took that smile the right way. I just heard that music, and I'm like, all right, now they're going to kill his dad, and he's going to be really pissed. I love that they didn't, and I love that he blew these two dudes away. That was a fun scene. Here's where I want to talk to you, Doctor. You actually watched this movie with your dad. Yes. By the way, I was with Tut. I never saw Christopher Lloyd dying. I knew there was going to be something where he was going to... I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he got up and started, like, Bruce Lee kicking ass. But I knew he was... But, dude, at, from this point on, the dad-son uh, relationship kind of has some cool moments and their like-minded history. And it's a much a much closer bond than Hutch has with his own son. Stuck cell phone, obviously. But, dude... I have to imagine not having a dad. This had to be a really cool action movie to watch with your dad. It was. Uh, I never made any um, analogies between the father-son relationships in it at all. Well, no, I mean, I mean, you and your dad uh, are nothing like Hutch and for Lloyd. No, just, but I mean, just any of it at all. And also, like, Christopher Lloyd does a real good job of... of looking really old and decrepit up until the point where he starts whooping some ass and uh my dad's pretty fit you know plays golf two or three times a week so uh no i I think my dad really enjoyed the movie and and uh i did too so he liked it uh yeah he really dug it um he had wanted to see it for a while uh so while i increasingly seem to have seen everything with this the way Tut did. We seem to be in agreement on just about everything. Um, There might have been something to my enjoyment where my dad was enjoying it, so I enjoyed it. But I I, I liked it. But I think uh, everything up till now that we're kind of in disagreement about where you're liking the film is because I'm just teasing. 
Uh, Actually, honestly, in all seriousness, I didn't hear what you said. You cut out. Seriously. I, I, I attributed everything you liked about the fact that you're watching it with your dad, and then I said I was just kidding. Oh, okay. I, I didn't. There was a brief, honestly, a brief snippet there where I didn't catch it. Okay. Uh, well, there. I said something nice about the film. I like this little scene with uh, his dad in the back. Speaking of a wonderful world, which is playing over all this, you know what cigar I think is wonderful, Ted? Uh, is it going to be a true estate cigar? Because they're pretty wonderful. They are pretty wonderful. Can you guess which one? Mm. I'm going to guess the Hera Esteli, the Miami. And you're good. Oh, you know me. Unlike Hutch's kids, you know me. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about the Herrera Stilly Miami from Drew Estate. Crafted by level 9 Cuban rollers famed El Titan de Bronze and Caliocho, the Herrera Stilly Miami line is expertly rolled in a lavish Ecuadorian Bono Skiro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatra binder with select colors from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Miami features rich black and gold packaging and is available in five sizes. I smoked the cigar many times. It is truly one of Willie Herrera's masterpieces. So jump in your car or jump online right now, maybe to famoussmokeshop.com, and get your hands on some. What are you waiting for? Do it now. Be like Hutch. Take your life in your own hands. Live, damn it, live! And while we're talking about cool shit, I'd also like to take a hot minute once again to tell you all about something very cool, Cigar World. Cigar World's an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing actual cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. One of our breaks earlier, Doctor, you logged into the testing lab and was doing some research. I did, in fact, do a little research. Did you find anything uh, interesting? I don't know. I'm afraid you'll have to read my position paper. <laughs> how, many uh, pages, how many pages is that? Two. Oh. Well, I can do two pages. It's called the No-No Square. Who will you find there? No, no, square. The myth. I'm going to give it to you straight, folks. The no, no, square. Does yours have hair? Oh, shit. My seat went back way further than I thought it was going to. (laughs) The lizard people have been trying to invade our children's no, no, squares for two decades now. It's common. It's on Google. You can Google it. It's out there. Trying to protect the no-no square with my whole grain amino acids. Get your kids, drink a shake in the morning, a shake before they go to bed at night. It'll protect their no-no squares. Infowars.com. Who is who is that supposed to be? I'll, I'll tell you later, Doctor. It's too much to it's too much to handle. There's there's a guy on the internet called Alex Jones that does crazy stuff. I, I heard the name. The next day, Hutch buys his father-in-law's factory with a bunch of gold bars that he's been holding on to all these years. Dude, it was alluded to earlier in the film that he's been trying to buy the factory from his father-in-law and his brother-in-law, but his, his 
they're looking for a great offer to retire on. And he was just giving them kind of – he dumps this big bag of gold bars that he's been keeping in this pinball machine on the desk, and the dad's like, I'll take it. It's a great <laughs> – Finally enough, finally enough for the dad to go buy his own Winchell's Donuts franchise. <laughs> oh, doctor. Doctor. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the dickhead brother-in-law who's always got a shaker cup shaking it with his mullet. What am I supposed to do? I don't give a fuck. Get at it. <laughs> and then when the dad's like, all right, deal. It's your factory now. Get the fuck out of here. That was funny. The way he treated his brother-in-law and his father-in-law just totally with disdain. Here's your gold. Get the fuck out of my face. That was funny. I wanted to see more of that. Hutch locks all the other employees out of the factory and thus begins a montage. We've seen it in Hard to Kill. We saw montage. it in We saw it in Matt uh Mark for Death. Him on the factory floor building all sorts of booby traps out of staplers, mouse traps. He's pouring the gunpowder from grenades into jars. All the usual stuff we've seen a million times before in these montages. Then he drives over to where Yulian is keeping the obshack, that giant, enormous room full of money. And while Yulian sings karaoke on stage in a club nearby, he's singing Andy Williams' The Impossible Dream. But here's the thing. This movie fucks up. They actually play Andy Williams' version. I wanted to hear Yulian singing that over this shit. Yeah. I wanted to hear a Russian version of the Impossible Dream over. That would have been good. Yeah. We never actually. That would have been a good, good little shot. Yes. Let's hear Yulian singing. Uh, but we don't hear him sing it, uh, which was a huge mistake. Hutch single-handedly kills every one of Yulian's men who are guarding the pallets of money. And then he replaces the water in the building's sprinkler system with gasoline and torches the billions of dollars set aside for Russian mafia's retirement. Can't go back. I just really that. wanted to see sort of a, a, how he investigated where to find the Russian 401k. I mean, oh, yeah, was we it never just actually, known that it was in a warehouse? or Yeah, we never actually... Another tattoo parlor? He went into another tattoo parlor. Where's the ob shack? It's at this address. Yeah, I don't... Actually, that's a good point, Yax. Yax, you and I are... You know, <laughs> how the hell did he find the ob shack? I mean, it just really kind of like... I mean, was there a building that had said just said ob shack on the outside? We all know what's in there. We just don't go in. Don't it's you have to grab some of that cash before you set it on fire? Well, it, I don't see why he didn't keep a couple of those gold bars. And I also can see why, if he's so miserable in his goddamn life, he obviously had those gold bars from his years of an assassin. I think he took them from the guy who he spared his life. Because that guy stole $3 million from the army in Italy. I thought he'd stole that gold from that guy that he spared his life. Well, Either way, how else was he going to afford that giant record collection? If I'm living in the man cave, sleeping on the couch in my house, and my wife's got a, a wall of pillows between us, I might pull out one of those gold bars one night and be like, hey, does this uh, get me anything? <laughs> like, I could pay off our mortgage with this fucking thing? Or maybe when my smart-ass son is giving me shit, slap him across the face with a gold bar, guess where I got this? From a guy I didn't put a bullet in his head. 
like I did 50 other dudes. I get that though. That's why he's brimming with fury because he can't tell these stories. That works. It was 1982. Grenada. And I don't. Ha- I did what I had to do. I did what I had to do. And I don't know if I would ever slap my kid in the head with a gold bar. I don't have sons. I'd like to think you wouldn't. I wouldn't slap my daughters with a gold bar, but I might like when they're giving me shit. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, dad's useless. Let's check this shit out." <laughs> yeah, it's a gold. It's a gold bar. And I got like fifty of them that are gonna use to buy your fucking grandpa's shitty ass factory. <laughs> that make that makes sense somehow. Hutch makes his way over to Yulian's nightclub right as he's finishing his karaoke song, and he eats a steak and potato dinner right in front of him in the audience. Did we actually see a potato on that plate? It was a twice baked potato, Doctor. I saw it. I did. I, okay, take your word for it. Yulian walks off stage as the Russian mobsters all congregate around Hutch. Did you enjoy your meal? I came for the show, he says. When Hutch reveals that he's placed yaks, I need you here. It's like the shit that uh, Matt put in the ground and pre- it's a landmine, right? It's a claymore. 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 He's towards your enemy, is what it says on the front. When he reveals under his napkin that he has a landmine, a claymore, facing towards Yulian, the Russian orders everyone out of the nightclub and takes a seat across from his adversary. Hutch takes joy in telling Yulian that he destroyed all of his precious art. I destroyed every... He's like, you know what? This is an opportunity for us both to move on and rebuild. And for a minute, Yulian's like, wait, rebuild? And he's like, oh yeah, I burned all your shit. Everything. And he's like, my art? He's like, well, yeah, and everything else. It's, it's all burned. He takes a stack of $100 bills that's crispy and throws it on the table. Because you did what you goddamn know you're not supposed to. You came to my fucking house. I don't think that's a rule in international military shit. I think assassins are allowed to go wherever they want to. Hmm? I'm sure we would. It's not like the mafia. The mafia, you're not allowed to go to their house. It might be this like baseball. Mil- there might be some unspoken rules that are you know, tradition sure and sacrosanct. Well, if that is a rule, Yulian certainly did break it. He sent like 20 dudes to Hutch's house. So, I did like how much joy Hutch was telling Yulian how he destroyed his entire life. And he's like, yeah, I burned the object. And, I mean, you could try to rebuild it. It's a billion dollars. But do you really want to? But, see, see, here's the thing. You already know that He's like, hey, let's go our separate ways, which he already has planned to go the other way anyways. Yulian is tired of this life, and this could have maybe worked if he hadn't destroyed everything that Yulian fucking had. And so he tells him, hey, Yulian, get some plastic surgery, get a fake nose put on, set up a tiki bar in the Caribbean islands and start fresh. I'll do the same. Think about it. I'll be nearby. We should both just retire at this point and be fine. Yeah, X, is Yulian the type to get a nose job and just run away from his problems? He is not. No, he's not. Of course he isn't. 
So Hutch is parked across here at the nightclub, crossing his fingers, like, please just go to a star tiki bar and get a nose job. And don't. No, that's not why he's crossing. Yeah, I thought the other way totally. I thought he's crossing his fingers. <laughs> let them come get some. You guys, I, I, I think we're we're both right. It could go either way. Either, dude, retire, leave me alone, and my family alone, or I love what's size more saying he. For me, the action is the juice. That's just, why he's sitting outside. That's why he didn't just drive off. He's sitting there hoping they come out after him. That's what he wants. Come chase me. Actually, I, I think you boys are right. He wanted Julian Julian to uh, not take that offer, and he doesn't. Uh, Hutch leads Julian and his men on a violent car chase, which I'll give. Uh, this movie had some terrible stereotypical move, uh, music choices. The fact that that muscle car from Hutch's neighbor had Pat Benatar's Heartbreaker in the cassette. That worked really good as a soundtrack to this chasing. It fit. It worked good. Uh, but they blow up his car. He gets away. They smash his car. He gets away some more. And it ends up right as planned at the factory. Um, and guess what? Not only has the motherfucking Riza shown up with a sniper rifle to help out his old buddy, but Hutch's dad's there too. Pops with like 15 shotguns slung over his shoulder. It's a lot of shotguns, Pops. That's all. He, that's all the dad uses is shotguns. Pops missed the action just as much as his son. Able to talk. Yeah, retirement. You know, dinner in the cafeteria, go for a swim. I missed his son, and. Hutch gives him a little smile. So we spend the next 10 minutes or so seeing our three heroes kill Russians in just about every way imaginable. I did appreciate when Hutch wiped the slate clean on the board as far as how many days the factory factory had gone without without incident. He kind of wipes it clean. That was fun. I wanted more of that. Um, Finally, after a gazillion Russians are killed, with only a super pissed off Yulian and his machine gun left, our boys are completely cornered and out of bullets. So Hutch straps that Claymore to a thick bulletproof shield, which he crouches behind as he charges at Julian across the room, pulls the pin, and blows the bad guy to smithereens. Pops and Rizzo sneak out before the cops show up, but Hutch stays put. He's taken down to police headquarters where, under interrogation, he smokes a cigarette and pulls the factory kitty cat from his bloody jacket and feeds it a can of tuna that he took from the cafeteria. I'm sure, Todd, you got a big boner from that scene. I did. I did. It was a sweet scene. He took care of the cat. Which he should. He's a hero. But Hutch isn't under interrogation long as the two hard cops interrogating get a cell phone call simultaneously from the higher-ups. you got to cut this guy loose. He's a nobody. So he, he goes loose. We then cut to three months later where a fully recovered Hutch and his wife Becca are home shopping in a new city in a, a new state. The realtor gets a phone call, and it's from an unknown number, and they say that they want to talk to Hutch. He takes the call says nothing, and when he hands the phone back to the chick, Becca recognizes that look on his face, and she asks the realtor with a knowing grin, does this have to come with a basement? 
the end. Yay. But t- not really. A little bit into the end credits, we cut to an old RV being driven down the coastline. Riza is behind the wheel, and Pops is riding shotgun. Pops still doesn't believe that the Riza took three dudes with one bullet back at the factory. You don't have to believe it, but it actually happened, Riza says. The old-timer asks why they couldn't just fly to meet up with Hutch. What? With this luggage? Rizzo laughs, and both guys look behind them in the RV at the sea of machine guns and other weapons of mass destruction that are filling up the motorhome. They laugh their asses off, and I so want to see a sequel that just featured these two dudes, (laughs) written by a much better screenwriter. This actually has potential. Rizza and Christopher Lloyd in an action film. Look to it. Okay, now it's the end of the movie. Uh, well, you boys kind of got where I was coming from in this movie, and I think Cody, you you kind of yeah, boy, you kind of saddled with me on a lot of things. I think uh, Tut and Tut and the Doctor were steadfast, and where where they kind of held this. I will say a little bit of backstory. Bob Odenkirk trained for two years for this role. Uh, not only to get in the physical shape necessary, uh, soft comedy writer, but also with MMA fighters to make his fight scenes choreography realistic. And I commend him on that. He did really good. He pulled this shit off. He also brought a bunch of personal baggage to the role as his family home in Los Angeles was victimized by not one but two home invasions over the years. Twice, Bob Odenkirk's family had been broken into by home invaders. And he's talked openly about what an emotional toll that took both on his marriage, his family, and especially him as the father. Uh, I was listening to him on Howard Stern. He was like, you just always wish you'd done more. And that, that played into how he kind of approached the script and added to the script. So my thoughts are this, my final thoughts. Maybe address the story in a different way than we've seen a million times. Use Bob Odenkirk's brilliant comedic brain to come up with something smart and different with the action genre, rather than just let him play fantasy, cosplay Charles Bronson for 90 minutes. I'm sure it was cathartic for him after what he went through in his personal life with these home invasions, but as an audience member, more times than not, I was just bored. And like, you've got this brilliant dude who went through this. Couldn't he come up with some kind of spin on this that was different and funny, but still kind of tackled what he needed to tackle? I get it. I like pizza movies as much as anybody, but as one of my favorite film writers, Tim Lucas, a video watchdog said, this movie is stale pizza. It's shit we've had before. It's been sitting out. It's nothing new other than it has a non-action guy in an action role. I wish I wish Bob Odenkirk would have done something really cool with this concept. And well, I, I wish they had, had sprinkled the comedy. They, they had their few little moments, but I was hoping they could have those just little, little, little bits more in there, even though they're trying to keep that action tone. 
and the Die Hard. Die Hard had more one-liners and correct and comedic bits. But, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon had way more comedic bits than this. Well, and you know, here's someone who is, you know, truly, you know, more comedic in that he would he would know how to use that and where to put it. But the one thing I really wanted to, I mean, with, with the title of the movie being Nobody, I wanted him, and I thought it was funny, like, every time he started to try to tell someone in the beginning, they got killed, or they or they died. And I was like, I was really hoping that that would kind of, you wouldn't, we, in other words, you wouldn't really get the full story about him. And so at the very end, when he says, I'm Nobody... It, so, so, yeah, so you were kind of involved with Tut, where you wanted him to try to tell his story to dying people but they they would die before he could finish it so he had to tell it to the next dying person that would be yeah, fun but I mean like that. I think it would just I think that would have been you know one of those moments where you could have that humor where you know he starts saying look I'm doing this and look over and the guy's dead like ugh well I like have said, a, he's, he's I, kept all this pent up and now he's trying to get it out and the people he's trying to tell keep dying I think that we're a little bit challenged because we're very knowledgeable about movies and we've seen just a crap ton of them. Especially action movies. I had a I had a friend who was talking about the uh, new Chris Pratt movie, the uh, Tomorrow World or Tomorrow War, and uh, he was just like, it's every action trope, every science uh, sci-fi trope, there's nothing original about it. And I was just like, well, the problem is is that you're like me. When it comes to sci-fi and action, you've consumed, you have a voracious appetite, and you consume it all. You watch it all. Well, we've got decades of watching this material. It's got to be really original to be something that we haven't seen before. We can't extrapolate from the movies we've seen before. So at this point, I don't know if people are going to be able to surprise me anymore. So the way I kind of look at it is I kind of ditch the need to have a plot show me something different, and I find myself gravitating more towards characters. I want to see. I know that I know that a plot's not going to do anything, do it for me. I know I'll figure it out soon, but give me the characters. Give me uh, Christopher Lloyd as the dad. I, I mean, give me give me Odenkirk going through this stuff. I, to me, that's something different. So if you can put a different spin on it that way. I can appreciate it for it, and I can cut a lot of slack on the other stuff. I'm in total agreement with that. Uh, at some point, if you're going to need to see something new every time you go, then you're just going to have to stop going to the movies. I, um, I totally disagree with the dude, Kay, who called it stale pizza. I, I just didn't see it that way. I never made – maybe I haven't seen enough direct-to-video Seagal movies. I never made any uh, connection between this and a direct-to-video Seagal movie. The only thing I made a connection to was John Wick, and you suspend uh, disbelief. You just go along for the ride. So that's what I did here. I just suspended disbelief and went along for the ride. And yeah, I, I didn't. I, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I did I, not. See I, it. I've seen the Seagal Russian contract movies, and to even compare this to one of those, I think it's doing a pretty big. Well, no, I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen those. I, I, st- I stopped. I stopped watching Seagal movies. I'm still a you. sucker for. Them. After he turned traitor years ago, but 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 I will say this: uh, 
I went into this with a very established opinion uh, and perception of Bob Odenkirk. I watched it. I watched it with my wife first, who had no idea who Bob Odenkirk was. Me too. Really, never seen Mr. Show. She had no idea about Breaking Bad or better. She never, literally, never seen this dude before. And he's one of those dudes that, while he's very prolific, it's very limited if you if you haven't seen certain things. Right, she, right. She loved this movie, and she believed him in this role. And I think the preconceived notion of Bob Odenkirk led me to want him to do something to rise the genre above and do something different because he was Bob Unker. But the fact that my wife really liked the movie and didn't see any problems with his character, it I, I think the movie plays a lot differently if you don't know who he is. I'm gonna have to agree with that because I, I actually I knew the name, but I, you know, obviously you know there's no bigger Simpsons fan than me, but I didn't know how much he'd written for that show. I'd heard of Mr. Show, but I'd never seen it. I didn't really know much at all about his background or his comedy or anything like that. I knew I, I, I knew the name. I, I knew that there were some accomplishments, but I don't know anything specific. I really, Doctor, I really think that's a benefit going into this thing uh, with both you and my wife. If, if you don't know who he is, he just comes across as a normal, like he did on Mr. Show, he did on everything else, this normal, fairly, you know, run-of-the-mill, handsome, suburban dad. That was always kind of his look. And it Hit this movie if you don't know his quirks and you don't know his demented comedic mind and I, I think she loved it Doctor you enjoyed it and I think that's an interesting kind of angle to spill some more crap on that guy who referred to it as stale pizza though because that's just that shouldn't have anything to do with preconceived notion or not I mean these are pizza flicks. before. These are pizza flicks. These are pizza flicks, and you know what? It is nothing I haven't seen before. So, I, I think stale pizzas. It gave me nothing new whatsoever. So pepperoni it's not fresh. pizza doesn't give me. No, it's not like I bite into yeah. a pepperoni pizza and I'm like, oh, this is something new for pepperoni. It's not pizza. fresh pizza. It's certainly it's not. not. Yeah, yeah, if, if, if it's going to be if, if it's going to be a detriment that this that the movie this gives me nothing new. At some point, you're just not going to be able to watch movies anymore. Well, that's true. And, and Doctor, we as horror fans, we we'd, we'd we'd be dead in our tracks watching horror movies if we said we're not watching anything that's totally new. I get that. I just. To me, it was John Wick with Bob Odenkirk, which I wish had gone in a, a more creative direction and made a little more sense and a little more done some more things. But you know what? My wife liked it. You and your dad liked it. Tut liked it. Cody, I think you liked it. I did. I liked it a lot. Well, there you go. So people like it, and I didn't hate it by any means. I just thought it was a weird watch in the 
a straight up action flick with a dude who I always kind of treasured his comedic mind and he ignored it. <laughs> but it was still it was still fine. It was fun. I think I, I think we all give thumbs up. I will say shout out to the cinematography on the movie because there was some really cool scenes. There was some really cool editing. It was, it, there was, it was, a, it was in, in the car wreck scene where the black Russian dies. There was this great scene where they 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 don't show the explosion that flips the car and they cut to a completely blank canvas where it's just a street scene and then you see the car tumble into the scene into the frame yeah it knocks knocks the street light out yeah i was like man that's really really cool you didn't have to show me that explosion and yet it, it really came there was also there was also a really cool scene on Yulian's introduction where his range rover goes past the nightclub and you hear him be like you passed it you fucker and they jump a curb and they come out and in one no cuts. Yeah. The car the car U turns comes and then he gets out of the car, same shot. It's all still no cuts. Gets out, walks across two cars in traffic that almost hit him, goes in the nightclub. Yeah, good sequence. Says they snorts snorts and coke. Like that no. Uh te- technical wise the movie the movie's really good. Um and the fact that they gave this kind of budget and this kind of firepower to an action movie involved or gives me a little bit of hope that people still it's kind of like when we talk about destination wedding to give a hollywood budget millions of dollars to a movie where only two actors talk it gave me a little bit of hope for hollywood you you ignored all the tropes and you just put your faith in Keanu and Winona and I was like wow I can't believe they did that I still can't believe they gave it this had to have a sizable budget and they let Bob fucking Odenkirk play John McClane uh, slash Charles Bronson slash Mason Storm they, they, they let him have fun and in, in, in playing an action film uh, okay well if nothing else I think it led to some fun discussion tonight about the action genre and uh, our expectations of it in 2021. So thank you, boys, for joining me. Uh, it's fun. I'm glad, I'm glad we did this one. Me too. Me too. Uh, Tut, I wish you had picked a different beer so you could taste tonight's cigar. <laughs> Wrong pairing, man. Wrong you win pairing. some, you lose. You win some, you lose. Tut is currently writing a screenplay for the Lifetime Network, The Wrong Pairing. <laughs> Where uh, Vivica Fox will be working the humidor and handing him the cigar, and then uh, Jack Scalia or no, Jason Roberts will be. Uh, it's got to have Roberts. Yeah. It'll have uh, Eric Roberts working at the microbrewery, handing the Imperial Stout. <laughs> the wrong brewer. Uh, I'm disappointed that I'm not the criminal mastermind in this, but it's all right. We'll talk about that later. Uh, well, you know, we'll talk. Doctor will talk, but uh, but uh, trust me in the axe. We we got a lot of cool stuff in the cigar, and this happens when I just go crazy willy nilly with uh, what we're drinking tonight. But it was kind of fun, different. Yeah, I'll probably flip flop, and next episode I'll be like, beers. We're all doing beers. It's hot <laughs> as fuck in Texas. I'm drinking some beer. <laughs> I have I have no backbone, guys. I will flip flop, and we'll probably go back to beers. <laughs> anyway, before we cut people loose, cut. Links? Uh, one second, please. 
dude, Todd has just let his Doc Brown hair flow. Great Scott, TNCC <laughs> listeners, you have to get to Instagram at TNCC underscore podcast. You have to go to Facebook, Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Then you should go to Twitter at TNCC cast. Then you might want to go to, please, please, for the love of God, subscribe to the YouTube channel. YouTube TNCC underscore podcast. And then if you want to buy a cigar, listeners, you can go to Famous Smoke Shop banner. Click on the banner. It'll instantly put in the promo code TNCC20 and give you 20% off. Hey, is that 20.21 gigawatts? That is 0.2 times whatever you're going to buy gigawatts of savings. That's that's about all I got. I don't think you got to half the lengths, but... <laughs> I know how hard that well done. I know how hard that ponytail is to contain well, I, I well respect done. the I respect the shakeout. Thank you, thank you. Uh so folks we can only pray and hope to whatever your God is that Meatballs 4 becomes available for streaming again over the next two weeks. Uh if you're out there, you know. Buddha, uh, what's the Muslim guy? Uh, Allah. 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 Uh, it's getting uh, dangerously close to blasphemy. Free Britney God. and free. No, I didn't. Four. I didn't draw Allah. If I drew him on a cartoon, I'd be in trouble. But sorry, was that was that out loud? Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, God or Jesus, what? If whoever you pray to, pray that Meatballs Four comes back onto streaming services because we're going to have a great fun show with that. Um, I think probably leading up to the big Drew Estate event D25, we're going to have Joe Grow on either the next show or the next one. That'll be fun. Get to reconnect with our homeboy Joe. Um, And then uh, soon after that it'll be our March to Halloween. All right. Always fun. Our long, long march to Halloween. Nothing but horror films. Nothing but good times. Uh, but you know what? I had a good time tonight. So thank you, boys, for joining me. Thank you, Doctor, for drinking gin and tonics. Thank you, Yak Boy, for clearing out your fridge. Thank you, Tut, for uh, bowing down to your Russian overlords and drinking your Imperial Stout. And uh, I'm going to finish this wonderful wonderful uh, steak and potatoes wine. That's not that great, but it's okay. Uh, And we'll see you next time. So in the meantime, remember this. Don't ever forget this. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Sayonara, motherfuckers. See you next time. To learn more about the time I found myself riding on a metro bus full of no-good street punks and decided to unleash some Charlie Bronson-style vigilante justice my own damn self. Well, okay, here's the thing, folks. It was actually an Oscar Mayer wienermobile, and it was full of terrified Oscar Mayer employees who didn't understand, A, why exactly I had jumped off a highway overpass and landed on top of the wienermobile, and B, why I was butt-ass naked except for a brand new pair of kangaroo tennis shoes. What? It was the 80s, and you weren't cool if you didn't have a pair of roos. I won't tell you what I kept in the little pouch, though. 
That's between me and those Oscar Mayer Wienermobile pilots. God rest their souls. Anywho, in the meantime, you can learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode by visiting IllusioniCigars.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky. And for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Go to work, get drunk, go to sleep, I get up.